supertalkradio.com. Wednesday, the 27th of September, the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, hear the cry of the poor. For those who follow in St. Vincent's footsteps in caring for the poor, may God repay their good deeds. For those who who use their goods and gifts wisely in service of their neighbors, may God store up for them treasure in heaven. For those who are destitute, hungry, and homeless, may God send compassionate and creative men and women to assist them. God of mercy, you sent your only begotten Son to preach the gospel to the poor. Continue to inspire your people with a love for all in need. Bless the work of those who serve those in want and grant relief to those who suffer from lack of food, shelter, or clothing. Through Christ our Lord, amen. St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are spending a little time with us this morning here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And up this hour, Amy Wellborn will have more to say about today's great saint, St. Vincent. Uh, Father Rob Jack uh, has been going through... Uh, Catholic vocabulary everyone should know. Today we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, which I feel like has come up a lot in a lot of conversations over the past couple of years, but I don't know that everybody knows what they mean by that. I think sometimes people just mean demons. Uh, but there's kind of more to that concept of spiritual warfare from a Catholic perspective. Gary Zimak is going to be along, checking out more verses that can help us get sort of a boost of confidence and courage and strength. It's kind of our midweek Bible boost with Gary Zimak. And then Monsignor Charles Pope will talk about the virtue of patience later this hour. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. A short-term funding bill is advancing in the Senate to avoid a government shutdown. The bipartisan bill will keep federal money flowing until mid-November to give Congress more time for a long-term package. The bill includes more than $4 billion in aid to Ukraine and roughly $6 billion in emergency FEMA funding for disaster relief. It's unclear if the Republican-led House will approve the deal. A deal to fund the government must be passed by the end of the week to avoid a shutdown. Pope Francis has sent his prayers and condolences to those affected by a tragic fire in southeastern Benin. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni has more. Pope Francis says he is deeply saddened to learn of a tragic fire in southeastern Benin. 35 people... I don't think you can hear my sound. Well, on to that story. Vatican News reports at least 35 people have been killed. A telegram from the Holy See said he is praying for the repose of the deceased, entrusting them to God's mercy and for the recovery of the injured. An imprisoned Nicaraguan bishop has been nominated for a European Parliament Human Rights Award. The Catholic News Agency reports Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matagalpa has been nominated alongside a Nicaraguan human rights activist 
Bishop Alvarez, an outspoken critic of the Ortega regime, has been in prison in the country, falsely accused by the regime of being a, quote, traitor to the homeland. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain says the union is not letting up on its demands amid an ongoing strike. He spoke to MSNBC yesterday, the same day that President Biden stood alongside members on the picket line in Michigan. Fain noted that he is thankful for Biden's support, but that the real focus remains the workers. Former President Donald Trump will visit Michigan tomorrow to show his support for union members as well. UAW members say they welcome the support, but stress that neither Biden nor Trump will be at the bargaining table. Meanwhile, the Hollywood writers' strike is over. The Writers Guild of America says the 148-day strike ended at midnight after the union agreed to a new three-year deal with the major Hollywood studios. The deal will increase minimum pay for writers, raise contributions to health care and pensions, and give bonuses for residuals based on streaming views. The deal also guarantees that AI-generated content will not be considered source material. And NASA scientists say they found what appears to be asteroid dust in a space capsule that landed in the Utah desert. The OSIRIS-REx space probe was sent to the asteroid Bennu in 2016 to collect samples and completed its mission Sunday when a capsule containing the sample parachuted onto a test range west of Salt Lake City. NASA scientists yesterday said they found black dust and debris when they opened the canister inside the capsule. Well, that is uh, is interesting. I feel like there's some X-Files episodes that... You think so? ...that go that way. So uh, I will say... We'll say this about that asteroid and the dinosaurs. Killed yeah. A lot of birds with one stone. Nate, Matt. Where's Annie? I'm I'm here. I think our video feed is up to working very closely to soon. So you will be able to see <laughs> that Anna Mitchell is trying very hard in these moments. Trying very hard. All these hard. people who think that you're just being mean and completely ignoring me will see like you... <laughs> I know. I'm going to be the totally, your face totally like, exposed. It's not, not fair. It's okay. It's all right. I guess people will think I'm nice after this. They might think, yeah, actually, Maybe you know what? Maybe they'll think You'll, I'm nice. Maybe this the video stream will give you a kinder, gentler <laughs> Anna Mitchell. It is six minutes past the hour. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Amy Wellborn. You can find her blog, Charlotte Was Both, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. She's written a lot about the Saints. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me. So I know you're uh, prepping for some discussion of St. Vincent de Paul, and you've been digging into the the correspondence and the relationship between St. Vincent de Paul and uh, a saint we might not know as well, St. Louise de Marriac. Uh, I wonder what got you thinking about their relationship and holy relationships and how they kind of spurred each other on. I was uh, a local chapter of the Ladies of Charity uh, asked me to give a talk. And the angle that I took for my talk was to look at the whole issue of small things and small actions versus big things and big actions. Because, of course, St. Vincent and St. Louise lived in a time of 
with great problems, as human beings always do, and felt called to address those great problems of dire poverty in 17th century France, of injustice, poverty, orphans, lack of education, all of this kind of thing. Big, big, big problems. And their postulate produced big things, right? I mean, still, you know, 400 years later, the, you know, all of their, you know, we see the Vincentian way lived out all around the world in religious and laity, you know, St. Visitable's thrift stores, in religious life, uh, and all kinds of things. But as St. Vincent and St. Louis both emphasized, it starts with small things, and it starts with attention to the present moment. It starts with looking at and dealing with the problems right in front of you, even in a small, hidden way. Um, they were had different personalities. They had different backgrounds. St. Vincent came from a relatively poor background, uh, and St. Louise came from a re- relatively privileged background, even though she had a difficult childhood, uh, did not know who her mother was, born out of wedlock, and so on. But uh, And St. Louise had a very kind of managerial uh, personality. She was a take charge person. She was very gifted in that way. And so St. Vincent, as her partner in the apostolate and also as her spiritual director, had to, you know, kind of help her learn how to use her gifts, right? That's what we're all about, how to use her gifts in a way that served others the best and also did not exhaust her, right? So you want to pour yourself out for Christ, but you want to do it in a way so that you can do it tomorrow too, right? And the next day. And so she came to emphasize in her own ministry and her apostle and her thinking, the hidden life of Christ, that, you know, the small things we do, the things that people don't know about are part of serving Christ and part of, of serving God are an important part of it. And then, but at the same time, she had this very kind of enthusiastic, energetic, managerial personality. And so St. Vincent had to, at times, write to her and tell her to calm down and for the sake of the ministry. So one of my favorite things that he wrote to her that I exerted in a recent blog post was this. He said, Blessed be God that you have arrived in good health. Oh, take great care to preserve it for the love of God and his poor members. And be careful not to do too much. It is a ruse of the devil by which he deceives good people to induce them to do more than they are able, so that they end up not being able to do anything. The Spirit of God urges one gently to do the good that can be done reasonably, so that it may be done perseveringly and for a long time. Act, therefore, in this way, mademoiselle, and you will be acting according to the Spirit of God. So perseveringly and for a long time. Um, And, you know, the way that we do that, one of the ways that we do that is that we're attentive to the present moment. We're attentive to uh, dealing with things right in front of us rather than always just looking at the big things. And, you know, his, the the Vincentian, the history of the Vincentian movement in the early uh, stages showed this. I mean, because St. Vincent, in his, was he started his apostolate, was helped a great deal by the wealthy, by wealthy women who funded the beginnings of his religious order and the apostolate to the poor. 
but as he learned quickly, that wasn't enough. So you need that he needed someone again with uh, St. Louis gifts to deal with the everyday issues that came up. So it's like kind of when I looked at the Vincentian Way, I saw a microcosm of all of our apostolates and our all of our efforts to serve God. That is, you know, we have to understand our own gifts. We have to use them in a balanced, measured way so that for the good of all, for the, you know, glory of God and for the good of those we serve. And that we have to um, be willing to, you know, serve in quiet ways, to start in quiet ways. So the way I, I put it is that, you know, you need the funding for the soup kitchen. You need the people to manage and to organize the soup kitchen. You need the people to interact with the community to enhance the soup kitchen's uh, ability to serve. You need the buyers. You need the managers. You need the people to get donations. But in the end, it's nothing unless you have somebody to serve the soup, right? So, you know, that's and that's kind of where we end up and where, where we start and where we end up every day in our own lives in trying to serve God is, yeah, you know, we all got our gifts, big things have to happen, but it all ends up with how did you meet the person in need, whether that be a person in your house, person on the street, person in your apostolate, how did you meet them in that present moment? Well, I have about 500 million thoughts on this because I've been in apostolate work for like closing in on 20 years. And there are just so many things that resonate with me about this. Uh, I've been kind of developing this thesis about how, you know, the devil will use the thing that got you into ministry to drag you down. (laughs) So um, the devil hates people who work for the church. I don't know if people are aware of this, Uh, but if you're generous with your time, he will leverage your inability to say no against you until you have no time or energy for prayer or leisure and you drown in your commitments and you flame out. Uh, And then if you try and pick your battles, he will haunt you with doubts from yourself and doubts from others that you're being cowardly and failing to address certain major issues. This sort of fear of like, oh, no, something big happened in the church, and I have a duty to kind of have a perspective and a statement about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's the other one, which is if you desire to be a witness for Christ, uh, he'll make you ashamed of admitting any doubts because you don't want to seem like an inadequate witness, right? And so then you don't get help when you're struggling, (laughs) right? Right. I mean, there's all these ways that— that are that are you know kind of facets of this, but I would love for people to read Saint Vincent's own words. Uh, yeah. Where would they find these? Well, I mean, there are many collections of both of their words, their letters, their conferences. Saint Vincent did weekly conferences with his priests. I would say also maybe just to begin with, you know, either the you know the Vincentian organizations or DePaul University. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. 
It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Conversations with Consequences, where we delve deeper into issues affecting our church, our country, and our core, the family. As Catholics, we need to be informed, aware, and able to talk through some of the tough topics that we're facing in our culture and in our world. Conversations with Consequences gives us the tools to do so. It's not enough to pray. We have to be a light for the world. Conversations with Consequences, this Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. A short-term funding bill is advancing in the Senate in the hopes of avoiding a government shutdown. Pope Francis has sent his prayers and condolences to all affected by a recent tragic fire in southeastern Benin. And the Vatican has revealed the name of the Pope's next apostolic exhortation on the environment. And it is... Are you going to spoil it here? No, I'll spoil it here. Laudate Deum. So this is an interesting lesson in Latin because it is... We so praise the, the English Lord, translation is what? We praise you, Lord, I think. Okay. So actually, I think no, because Laudato Si... So it's Laudato versus Laudate. Mm-hmm meaning that the one is in the first person and the other would be like no i mean it was be the first person singular i see this is where i need my latin scholarship to kick back in i don't even know why i attempted this i learned my latin from protestants anyway in college (laughs) and suddenly the the datives and ablatives and nominatives are all running together in my head Hang on. And my first and second and third declensions are just crashing into one another in my brain. There's going to be some kid out there. Oh, some... yeah. If it was we, it would be loud. Laudemus. Demos, yeah. Laudate would be you. Like. You understood. Right. Second person. Second person plural. Plural, I guess. Well, no, singular if it's God. Hold on. Why are we even trying this? Why are this we This is a problem, this? Anna this Mitchell. Is, is, I, I, I should have known Matt, better why did you and just let this? that drop. I should have just let it drop. Oh, it's, you know what it is? It is a command. It's praise God. Oh, so it is you understood, right? It's second person. Mm -hmm. It'd be second person plural, like you all praise God. Yes. Versus in Laudato Si, it's like, I praise you, O Lord. I praise you, O Lord. Because it ends in the O. Mm -hmm. And then the T-E at the end usually means like a command, like a you praise. Yes. That works in Spanish a little bit that way, too. There are homeschool kids out there who are, like, tearing their hair out listening to this. Like, what is wrong? What is wrong with the Sunrise with Morning Show? Adults. How are they missing this simple, this simple Latin? 
So generally speaking, how Anna do they Mitchell, not know the imperative? This is uh, it's the, I think it's the present active imperative even. But you know, this is part of why the Sunrise Morning Show is just called the Sunrise Morning Show and not the Sunrise Morning Show with Anna Mitchell because it's the Sunrise Morning Show with people who are experts besides us. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So generally speaking, I try not to talk about what I don't know about, and so I should have stopped myself there because mm-hmm. Latin, Latin's not my game. <laughs> Maybe we I should, should try a spelling contest. Uh, At any rate, I'll be reading it. So, uh, but I'll be yeah. reading it in English. Yeah, we'll read it in English. Just to just to make it clear that I'm not going to go over there. I can read just enough Latin to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I leave that to the uh, to the actual Latinists among us. Oh man, this has been an in interesting vino veritas. Indeed, an educated man. <laughs> <laughs> now I really hate him. Is there any more tombstone? You know what? We any any time that it gives you an opportunity to quote tombstone, I'm all about it. So this was a great segment. It's 21 past. Oh. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Ann Hendershot will discuss the principle of performative Catholicism. Susan Sassoni will share her new book, New Friends Now and Forever. I will talk about the life of St. Vincent to Paul, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. Support for Sacred Art Radios from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. Our bodies are a gift of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Just as the human body ought to be treated with respect and dignity in life, so it is meant to be treated after death. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help make advance arrangements with their Catholic funeral plan. Pre-planning is especially important to those preparing to enroll in Medicare. It also ensures that you make the arrangements you want, leaving your family without the hardship of planning while grieving. Find out more at 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. The highest standards, integrity, and best practices are core values at Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, your partners in residential and commercial insurance repair and restoration. Rainbow International, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio, 513-271-1000. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this feast of St. Vincent de Paul. Pray for us. Father Rob Jack joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio here in Cincinnati. Father, good morning. Morning, Anna. So we're continuing our How to Speak Catholic series, and today we're going to talk about 
spiritual warfare. Now, for some, every little hurdle in life is a matter of spiritual warfare, but I'm not sure if that's exactly what the church means by it. Can you enlighten us? Well, some of the things are just due to our own foolishness. We we tend to do some foolish things from time to time. But the, the key is, is, where does this come from? And we know there's a scriptural basis from it. When the Lord promised to send us a Messiah in, uh, in Genesis 3.15, we also hear that enmity will be put between the woman and the serpent, the one who first tempted us. And it said then that the... Uh, uh, we will strike at the serpent's head while the serpent will strike at our heel. And that's the battle that we're in right now. Our souls and our bodies are both important, and we spend a lot of time in our world dealing with our bodies, our, the, the sicknesses, the uh, mortality that we face, because we want to stay healthy. But we often forget that, that our souls are also in play by uh, the devil. And, and by the Lord, where we are asked to choose. And in the process of this, warfare is engaged to the devil. We're valuable in the sense that by taking us away from God, the devil sees as inflicting suffering on God because, of course, God wants us to be with him. On the other hand, God gives us many, many gifts to be able to fight back if we use them and if we acknowledge that we are truly in a battle I don't know of too many people, though, that use the word spiritual warfare today. Well, I know a lot of, you know, super devout Catholics that invoke spiritual warfare all the time. What are the what are the tools that that you were just mentioning? Can you can you tell us more about that? Well, the tools against it's it's like this, you know, when we get when we get physically sick, our our immune we need a good immune system so that uh, when we antibodies come into our body and you know, like bugs and viruses and things, our immune system is such that it can fight them all. Well, we need an equal immune system for our soul, and our soul needs to be with these antibodies now. Some would give an, an analogy, and you know most analogies uh, kind of uh, limp, but they would say, like for instance, when we were baptized and with the gift of faith, and then consecrated through the water and the Holy Spirit, and anointed with the oil, we were in a sense given the type of, back lack of a better word, a vaccination against evil. Because now we we don't just fight evil on our own. We have been given God's help. And in that battle, we recognize we it's, it's important for us to stay in a right relationship with God. And we do that, of course, through prayer, through uh, growing deeper with God in our faith and our knowledge, and through charitable deeds and living a virtuous life. Those are real battles. And with that, as, as well as being able to find a balance between our bodies and our souls. Oftentimes, when the body's leading the way, we tend to be very much sensual and very much focused on stuff of a very quick, how would you say, uh, quick pleasures, and we and we tend to move away from any type of suffering. But the long-term struggle helps us recognize we're mortal beings, and we're going to go through suffering. And so what we need is we need good spiritual training. And that spiritual training teaches us how to practice penance and self-denial 
and more importantly, to what I call the, the preemptive science. You know, it's like anything else. If When we get to um, this time of year, they say, well, you should take vitamins or you should uh, kind of continue to strengthen up uh, your, your physical antibodies so that when disease comes or these things come at us, we can fight back. Now, of course, the devil is not like a disease, and it's, it's much more a personal attack on us. And a lot of times what the devil does is he has two extremes that one of us falls into. The first is simply that we don't need God. God doesn't exist. He's not. So I am God, okay? And that puts us at quite a disadvantage. On the other hand, it's just the opposite. I am nothing, and the devil tells me I'm nothing. Why would God want to love someone who's a nothing? And so that affects our own spiritual disposition, our own psychology in a way that we feel worthless, we feel there's no hope. And when we do that, we tend to go towards transitory goods, yeah. meaning goods that aren't good in themselves, but may bring pleasure, but will ultimately bring despair. And we see how this warfare is working right now in terms of the number of people who are fighting serious despair and depression because they have lost all hope yeah. or they don't know about the love of God. Well, Father, the way that you're describing it, it makes so much more sense when you say that you don't hear many people talking about spiritual warfare. The people who I hear talking about spiritual warfare lead me to ask this question. When is it appropriate to invoke St. Michael? Should we be bothering him when the car doesn't start so I can't get to church? Well, it doesn't hurt. I do it. (laughs) I mean, I, I thank God when the weather's good. I, I always am talking to the Lord every day in my car, but I drive by myself, so no one thinks I'm talking to anybody. <laughs> but to carry on a positive conversation with God every day, I, one of the things is the preemptive strike. If you see some trouble coming in the course of the day, you pray to overcome it in advance. Yeah beautifully put we've been talking to father rob jack if you'd like to listen to him on driving home the faith weekday afternoons you can go to sacredheartradio.com and listen to the live stream there or download our app which is also how you can listen to the sunrise morning show every day on your smartphone father thank you so much you have a good day anna you too father thank you half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news The Senate has voted to advance a short-term funding bill to avoid a government shutdown. The bipartisan measure released yesterday would keep money flowing until mid-November to give Congress more time for a long-term package. A deal to fund the government must be passed by the end of the week. It is unclear at the moment whether the Republican-led House will approve it. The Holy See has released the name of the Pope's next apostolic exhortation on the environment. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Laudate Deum. This We're going to try this. No, my audio just is not working. It's called Laudate Deum and it was promised just a few weeks ago to be an update to his environmental encyclical Laudato Si. Pope Francis has sent his prayers and condolences to all affected by a tragic fire in south southeastern Benin. Vatican News reports that at least 35 people have been killed in that fire. A telegram from the Holy See 
said the Holy Father is praying for the repose of the deceased, entrusting them to God's mercy and for the recovery of the injured. An imprisoned Nicaraguan bishop has been nominated for a European Parliament Human Rights Award. The Catholic News Agency reports Bishop Rolando Alvarez has been nominated alongside a Nicaraguan human rights activist. Bishop Alvarez, the Bishop of Matacalpa, and an outspoken critic of the Ortega regime, has been in prison falsely accused by Daniel Ortega of being a, quote, traitor to the homeland. The Mexican government has begun negotiating with countries in Central and South America to try to stop people from reaching the U.S. border. They will start taking into custody those that are expelled at the international bridge connecting El Paso and Juarez. The Mexican government is also vowing to work with the nation's biggest railroad to deter people from hopping on trains. The Writers Guild of America's strike is over. Mark Mayfield has the story. After 148 days, the board of the WGA West and the council of the WGA East voted unanimously to lift the strike, effective at 12.01 Pacific Time Wednesday. The decision came just days after the writers and film studios successfully finished conversations for a new three-year contract. The agreement will increase minimums, raise contributions to health care and pensions, and give bonuses for residuals based on streaming views. AI-generated content, a big issue when the strike started, will not be considered source material. I'm Mark Mayfield. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain says the union is not letting up on its demands amid their ongoing strike. He spoke to MSNBC yesterday, the same day that President Biden stood alongside members on the picket line in Michigan. Fain noted that he is thankful for Biden's support, but that the real focus remains on the workers. He said that the reason for the strike against the big three automakers stems from, quote, corporate greed. Former President Donald Trump will visit Michigan tomorrow to show his support for union members as well. UAW members say they welcome the support, but stress that neither Trump nor Biden will be at the bargaining table. Republican presidential candidates are set to face off on the debate stage in California. Seven hopefuls will participate in the second GOP debate, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former Vice President Mike Pence, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. The event hosted by Fox News will once again be without former President Trump, the party's frontrunner, who will instead be meeting with striking UAW workers in Michigan. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who did take part in the first debate in Milwaukee last month, did not make the cut. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy will also be at the debate. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. 
Water Heaters Plumbing Repair and Drain Cleaning, backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800 322 8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Vincent de Paul, Wednesday, September the 27th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Gonna want to keep the umbrella handy today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, showers likely today with a few storms possible and a high of 75 degrees. Spotty showers continue tonight with some isolated storms and an overnight low of 61. Scattered thunderstorms again tomorrow and a high of 76 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, occasional showers and a few thunderstorms today with a high of 75 Showers and storms likely tonight with an overnight low of 61. Showers in the morning, thunderstorms in the afternoon tomorrow with a high of 73. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. It's a great resource. Gary's books are over there, and he's got all kinds of other things where we look at all the stress and anxiety going out in the world in our own homes and in our own hearts and see what Scripture has to say about it. Gary, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. I, uh, I'm excited to talk to you. It's been a little while since I talked to you. Uh, I feel like this has been a weird month, and almost everybody I know is going through something like just stressful and bizarre. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, these are not unique to the human experience, um, but they do sort of get up close and personal in our lives. But it turns out that this is actually a longstanding problem in humanity. And we got this whole book, the Psalms, that really kind of taps into these frustrations that we feel as just by nature of us being human beings. Absolutely. And, and you know, Matt, I... I um... Just the other day, I was saying my prayers, I woke up, and I've got several intentions that I've been praying for for a long time. They all involve family members, and including myself, things that I've been saying, okay, Lord, I need help with this, I need help with this. And the other day, I, I just woke up, and finally I said, Lord, how long, how long are you not going to answer? I mean, you know, I know he's, I know he's working behind the scenes, but... The actual problems still remain, and I, I just got frustrated. I said, how long, Lord? Can you give me something? Can you do something or give me a breakthrough in one of these areas? And, you know, I, I never waste an opportunity. Anything I go through manages to end up in a book, or you and I are going to be talking about it, or I'm going to be speaking about it at a parish mission, any suffering that I go through. So what I did was just work with this a little, prayed with it, and I was led to the book of Psalms. The Psalms are great. Any emotion, as you say, that we feel, we're going to find something that we can relate to or a prayer that we can embrace in the book of Psalms. Matt, I was led to Psalm 13, and I just wanted to just read the beginning of it, because I think this is so appropriate, and 
And I know somebody is going through something today where they're saying, how long? Check this out. This is Psalm 13. It's only six verses. It begins like this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Two verses. We've got four how longs addressed to the Lord. You know, this psalm does resolve. There is an answer at the end of this. The This is attributed typically to David, King David. But in this psalm, by the end of this psalm, he's saying, okay, all right, I get it. I rejoice, Lord, because you are going to come through for me. There is something that happened in the midst of this psalm. And basically what happened was after the four longs, he said, Lord, uh, after the how longs, he said, Lord, can you help me? And I think that's what, that's the secret. That's what I did the other day. And and I'm in a better place. My problems still aren't answered. And I know I'm going to be asking the how long question again. But if we turn to him and ask for help, you know, we can ask the question. But I think the secret to that change that we need, that change of heart, that hope that we're looking for, is basically saying, you got to help me, Lord, in some way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... And I say this over and over with the Psalms, um, but this gives us permission, right? There's not, it's not like we can't go to God and say how long and express frustration because the Bible does it, right? right I mean, this exactly. Is, this is permission for us. I mean, the, the thing that we don't want to do is go complain about God to somebody else, right? Or complain Perfect. about our situation yeah. to literally everyone but God. I, I mean, this, this is sort of the model for how our relationship with God is supposed to work. If you have a relationship with anybody who's close to you, you're going to tell them how you feel. Right, right, exactly. And this, you said you're right. This is not complaining. When you when you address the how long question to God, or I think the last time I was on with you, we talked about the why question, which is also addressed in the Psalms. When you ask the questions to the Lord, you're not complaining. You're praying. You know, and, and you're you're basically. You're asking him a question, very valid question. If you have a relationship with him, of course, go ahead and ask the question. However, I don't think we should get stuck with the how longs and the whys. We need to move on from there. And that's the beautiful thing about the Psalms. You always see that pivot somewhere in the middle of the Psalm where it shifts from the question, how long or why, to, Lord, I know you're real. Would you please help me? And that's where things begin to change. And what I found, Matt, is that the things that we are questioning, the, say, the questions we're asking, the frustrations, the suffering, the externals don't always go away, but there's always a little bit of internal peace that, that comes from shifting the how long to, okay, Lord, please help me. I know you're real. I know you can do this. I know you did it in the past. Please help me now. I need you. Well, and I just want to put a word of encouragement out there to anyone who's having trouble getting from the how long, O oh Lord, to the Lord, I know I have, I know you can do this phase. Just by starting and saying how long, O oh Lord, you are acknowledging a being greater than you. <laughs> and you are, you are somehow making an act of faith. A lot of people would right. say they don't have like much faith, right? When they feel like in these situations, but you do have a little. You got enough to talk to the right person about it. <laughs> I mean, that's not nothing. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because if you're turning to God and you're saying, "How long?" 
or why are you doing this to me? You're obviously acknowledging the fact, number one, that he's real. Number two, that he can do something about your problem. Or when you ask the why question, you're acknowledging the fact that he knows more than you do and he sees more. So that is absolutely correct. It is an act of faith. And by continuing to pray, even when we don't feel like it, and look, that's what I had to do the other day. That's what I'm I've done this morning before we got on the air. You know, I I don't always feel it, but by continuing to pray and by placing my trust in the Lord, it's also an act of hope. I believe that he can somehow bring some good out of this situation, and you don't have to feel it. You know, Matt, sometimes, and I was thinking about this the other day, the facts as we perceive them, the facts of our situation, they're not always the truth but they're just our perception of the truth. God knows the truth. So if I'm looking at the facts and I'm saying to myself, I don't think he's answering. I don't think he's doing anything. That's not necessarily true. He could absolutely be working behind the scenes on my problem. And I think sometimes we have to acknowledge that, that we don't see the big picture. Well, it's more than sometimes that I don't see the big picture. (laughs) Yes. I'm telling you, you know, it's funny how... um, just generally speaking, there are all kinds of things that, you know, other people can see about us from miles and miles away, but we are completely blind to about ourselves, all right? And and that's such a an important part of, of why we pray, because if you're just – if the only conversations that you're having are with yourself in your own head, how in the world are you supposed to get perspective? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and you know, I, I really do believe it. I'm confident of anybody listening who's struggling with this. If you take this question to the Lord, you're going to get some sort of relief. You, you really are. You might not get your exact answer. I mean, he's God. We're never going to completely figure him out. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. We would. So that's not going to happen. But there's always some sense of peace that you get or acceptance or a greater confidence. Uh, it, it sometimes it's very small. This is what I found. And the mere fact that you're continuing to pray, that's a good sign. That means, as you said, that uh, that you still have faith. You're using your faith, which is exactly what the Lord's looking for. This is a process. We're going to be working on this for a long time. Indeed. Indeed. Well, Gary Zimak, if our listeners want to catch up with you and find your numerous books where you've unpacked just scads of Scripture at this point, tons and tons of Scriptures that address these very questions, how do they connect with you? The best place is my website, followingthetruth.com. That's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Gary Zimak. Have a wonderful day. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. God bless. All right, we're back right after this. It's 14 minutes before the hour. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. 
That's centralfabricators.com. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to Our Lady of Sorrows. We ask Mary to pray for us so that we can unite ourselves to her in her sorrow in the hope that we will one day also share her joy in the triumph of her son. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosaries, statues, bracelets, holy cards, prayer booklets, and more. Available at EWTNRC.com. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Monsignor Charles Pope. You can find him online at MonsignorPope.com, and he writes for the Archdiocese of Washington at blog.adw.org. Good morning, Monsignor Pope. Good morning. It's good to have you back, and we are going to be talking about the virtue of patience today. How does possession of this virtue make us more like God? Well, you may have noticed that God is not in a big uh, hurry. (laughs) (laughs) And that, uh, you know, yeah, he, you know, he has his reason, but, but he's not, doesn't seem to be in a big hurry. And he could fix everything instantly, but he doesn't, and he has his reasons. And I think I know a few of them, but most of them I don't know. Yeah. yeah. This is why it's so hard, right? I mean, I was going to ask you, why am I mm-hmm. so bad at this? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, um, yeah, we, we, we human beings um, are... Um, Generally speaking, you know, we're, we're, we're very uh, aware of fears and dangers around us, so instant quick results to get out of danger is part of it. But I think in our modern age, there's, there's an intensification of this problem because we do, at some level, we have created a kind of instant results society uh, in some areas. So, you know, we can um, flip a, a switch and on comes a light. We can, uh, you know, flip a switch, another switch, and on comes an air conditioner or a heater. Um, we, uh, we, you know, we, we can even order Amazon and get it delivered in four hours. It's just insane. But it, it's, um, it's, it's one of these kind of instant results sort of expectations that develops in us because of that. And some things can be done quickly that used to require time. You had to go to the well and schlep the water back. But now you can just open the tap. Mm-hmm. But um, other things just can't. They take time. And um, Microwave dinners have their place, but to cook a really good meal takes time. God is into crockpot, not into microwaves. Yeah, and isn't it funny how we sort of place that expectation on God? I mean, how impatient we can get with God himself. Yeah, you know, what what made me put the article up here is, you know, there's a reading from my back cook, you know, how, how long, oh, Lord, I cry for help, you don't listen. It's, it's a human cry, and a lot of the Psalms start out with, in Latin anyway, in the Latin um, breviary with, 
usque quo domine, you know, how much longer, O Lord? <laughs> but we do. We put this expectation on God. And, you know, if you look at the age of the universe, what we know, at least what we think we know scientifically, that it's about, what, I don't know, 12 billion years? or Who knows? How do they know this stuff? I don't know. But it's a lo- it's, it's been here a long, long time, and we've only been here for a sliver of that time. And you're like, wow, did God really spend, like, 12 billion years to get this thing ready just for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some sense, yes, yes. I mean, we're here now as a result of processes that took a long time from our perspective. But for God, there's no delay because God lives in the eternal now. Yeah. And thank God, too. You know, like I think about the all uh, all of the times that I'm impatient with um, with God for not acting on this or that request that I happen to have, but I also know, thanks to, um, we hear this so often in the responsorial psalm, I think, at Mass on Sundays, that he is slow to anger and rich Mm -hmm. in kindness. I mean, thank God that he is patient. Yeah, if God's patience is directed to our salvation, (laughs) if God said, okay, right away, now, um, uh, whoops, give me more time, Lord, then all of a sudden, yeah, we don't want and um, we are pretty fickle, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I want to go back to his reasons. You mentioned that that there are plenty of things that that we don't know about why God doesn't seem to be in a hurry. But but what are those known reasons? What what do we know about why God takes his time? Well, you know, you want to maybe think for a minute like a parent would have to think. You know, you, they could rush to solve every little math problem their kid had in their homework assignment, but that's not a wise thing. Um, it's, it's good for the kid to take time and try to figure it out and learn it. And it becomes something that they, they then have some, you know, ownership over. This is, a, this is a good thing to not just rush in and to solve a problem, but to live the question for a while, learn, learn from mistakes and and so this is, I think most parents know this by instinct. They don't always do it perfectly, but um, this is part of uh, what what uh, good parenting is. So those are some of the reasons. We also know that, in a way, suffering has its place. Um, that is to say that um, we don't like this, but the, it does have a role in our life. Suffering teaches us to be uh, humble. It teaches us uh, to be more heavenly-minded. Uh, it reminds us that this world isn't the answer. And I could go on and on, but there's a there's a place for suffering. You know, we discover gifts we never knew we had, et cetera, et cetera. You know, as we remember the events of 9-11, we can think, oh, my gosh. But, you know, I was uh, hearing a story about a little town up in, in um, you know, Nova Scotia where all these planes land and 7,000 people oh, yeah. filled this little town, and they all rushed to, to help and friendships set up that have gone on for years. And there was there was goodness there too. It wasn't just evil that day. So it, there's lots of things that God's up to that we can sort of get, but it's more hidden to us. Yeah. Well, that comes out in a parable that you mention in your piece on patience over at the the blog. Is the 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 parable of of the the weeds, the wheat, and the tares? Yeah, you know, uh, there is the impatience of the field hands. They say, let's go out and rip out the weeds. And, uh, uh, and the, the owner of the field, in other words, God, says, no, no, careful, you might harm the wheat. Let them grow together to the harvest, and then we'll sort it out. Uh, so there's a, there's a, a, a time, of, there, there is a judgment, but not yet, because right now it's still working out. And if, if, 
are you a weed or are you a wheat? I, I'm not going to ask you to answer that, Annie, but I, I'm just going to say I'm not so sure I'm in just one category. Yeah. And uh, maybe some stuff needs to happen. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's an important thing to remember. People need time to repent. People need time to get their act together, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's part of God's patience for us. And I mean, I chief among them, Monsignor Pope. Uh, it, it's funny, though, how easily we can start comparing ourselves. Like we look over and, God, why aren't you weeding out that weed over there? And I forget that when I look at this parable of, of the wheat and the tares that I might be rooted out at that same point if I, if I want God to, to pull up that weed right next to me. Amen. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you so much, Monsignor Charles Pope. You can find blog.adw.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. You know, Matt, I was thinking recently about patience because Freddie Egan, who celebrates his fourth baptismal anniversary today on this Feast of St. Vincent de Paul. Um, Thank you. Uh, He marched himself right up to the very front pew and then proceeded to misbehave all through a daily mass that I took him to. Mm. And I had to practice patience the whole time because I couldn't, like, you know, be yelling at him when everybody was looking at me. That is just the best weeds and weed example I've heard so far. I know, right? Do you wait until the end of the mass to really (laughs) settle the situation? Or do you have your knockdown drag out with your toddler in the middle of it, pulling up the weed and uprooting all the wheat while you do it? Yep. Wow, Anna Mitchell. Powerful. Another full hour coming up. It's three till. Do you go to sacredheartradio.com to get the show notes? Show notes. Then you know the show notes is where you'll see the guest featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith for today and previous days. And now you can find and hear an interview again just by hovering over the podcast markers. So for the links to the resources you hear about and to hear an interview again, get it by checking out the show notes every day at the new sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from R's Cafe and Meeting House, opening October 2nd, offering delicious varieties of coffee and fresh-baked goods, pastries, sandwiches, and soups. R's Cafe and Meeting House, 6988 North Dearborn Road in Guilford, Indiana. Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 513-319-7312. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. 
Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Wednesday, the 27th of September, the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul. Let's pray for his help today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Tender God, refuge of the poor, you filled St. Vincent de Paul with the strength of the apostles to work for the salvation of the poor and the instruction of the clergy. May we who follow the example of his life be driven by unceasing charity to continue the mission of your Son in the world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Vincent de Paul. Pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show on this feast of this great saint. There are St. Vincent de Paul councils scattered, scattered all over our listening audience in the EWTN family of affiliates and apps and the like. Happy feast day to all of you, especially doing that unsung work in your communities and uh, those parish-based outreaches. Up this hour, I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Logman at the controls. We'll talk more about liturgy and charity on this Feast of St. Vincent de Paul with Father Philip Michael Tangora. Uh, Carlo Broussard is going to discuss intolerance and what do we even mean by that. He's been trying to unpack some of the loaded words that get tossed around in our culture and how to think about them in a better and clearer way. Michelle Sagarino will join us. She is with Cross Catholic Outreach. Also, Dr. Saverio Perugini who's a math and computer science professor at Ave Maria University. They've got a new online uh, offering called The Pursuit of Wisdom, and we're going to get into that this morning. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. A short-term funding bill is advancing in the Senate in an attempt to avoid a government shutdown. The bipartisan bill will keep federal money flowing until 
mid-November to give Congress more time for a long-term package. The bill includes more than $4 billion in aid for Ukraine and roughly $6 billion in emergency FEMA funding for disaster relief. It is unclear currently whether the Republican-led House will also approve of the deal. A deal to fund the government must be passed by the end of the week to avoid a shutdown. Pope Francis has sent his prayers and condolences to all affected by a tragic fire in southeastern Benin. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. Pope Francis says he is deeply saddened to learn of a tragic fire in southeastern Benin, which killed at least 35 people, including one child. In a telegram sent on his behalf by Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin, the Pope says he joins the families of the victims in mourning. In the message addressed to Bishop Aristide Gonzalo of Porto Novo, whose diocese includes the city of Semecraque, where the tragedy happened on the 23rd of September, the Pope says he's praying for the rest of the deceased, entrusting them to God's mercy and for the recovery of the injured. The Holy Father also expressed his support for those accompanying the victims of this tragedy and prayed to Our Lady to bring strength and consolation to all those affected. And he invoked divine blessings on each person and on the entire nation as a sign of comfort. The fire broke out at a shop where witnesses said gasoline was being unloaded. The chief prosecutor said the fire burned down the store and according to an initial assessment, resulted in 35 deaths. He added that an investigation has been opened to determine the cause. I'm Linda Bordoni. The Hollywood writers' strike is over. The Writers Guild of America says the 148-day strike ended at midnight after the union agreed to a new three-year deal with the major Hollywood studios. The deal will increase minimum pay for writers, raise contributions to health care and pensions, and give bonuses for residuals based on streaming views. The deal also guarantees that AI-generated content will not be considered source material. The United Auto Workers strike continues. The UAW president, Sean Fain, says the union is not letting up on its demands. He spoke to MSNBC yesterday, the same day that President Biden stood alongside UAW members on the picket line in Michigan. Bain noted he is thankful for Biden's support, but that the real focus remains on the workers. Former President Donald Trump will visit the state tomorrow to show his support for union members as well. UAW members have said they welcome the support, but stress neither he nor Biden will be at the bargaining table. Fewer Americans are feeling good about the economy for a second straight month. Mark Mayfield reports. The Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index fell five points in September from its upwardly revised August reading. The board's chief economist said many Americans are worried about rising prices, particularly for gas and groceries. The survey also noted a rise in recession fears and fewer consumers planning to buy homes in the next six months. I'm Mark Mayfield. Republican presidential candidates are set to face off on the debate stage in California. Seven hopefuls will be participating in this second GOP debate. The RNC announced Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence will be returning, along with North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott will all be on the debate stage. Former President Trump is skipping the debate. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson did not make the cut.
And Adam Wainwright is confirming that he has thrown his final Major League Baseball pitch. The St. Louis Cardinals right-hander said yesterday that his start against the Milwaukee Brewers last week was the final one of his career. The 42-year-old earned his 200th career win after striking out three batters over seven scoreless innings. Wainwright shared that he is at peace with retiring and does not have any regrets about the way his career ended. The three-time All-Star played all 18 years of his career with the Cardinals and helped the team win a World Series back in 2006. Well, that's a bummer because the Reds and the Cardinals are finishing out the season against one another in the regular season mm-hmm. after the send-off that Joey Votto and the Reds mm-hmm. got uh, at home on Potential Sunday. It would have been great. send-off. Potential well, send-off. They sent him off for the regular season, for home regular season games. But it would have been great to see Votto on Wainwright like one last time. I know. I agree. It would have been great. I agree. By the way, I don't want to telegraph it too much because we're going to get into it later in the week. But when that series hits, uh, we have a, a friendly wager getting ready to go, not with Adam Wainwright, but with Adam Wright, host of the Covenant Network's <laughs> Roadmap to Heaven show. Yes. And uh, we're going to make a bet. Baseball regular season almost over. Our Reds are playing the Covenant Network's Cardinals. We got it. There needs to be something, something at stake here. Oh, and there is. And there is. And we'll tell you about it when the series starts on Friday. Hey, Paul, are we still Mets fans today as Reds fans? We are Mets fans. That I'm oh, a Mets fan today. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. We need you to destroy God. the Marlins on our behalf. Please destroy the Marlins, Father. We will. We will do our best. Okay. Or at least probably our worst. But How yes, did... we will do our best. <laughs> You know, those Mets at the end of a meaningless season, they just, they really come through. I I would love to see the Mets at least have a purposeful season one of these days. And on a good note, beat the Marlins for us. Do it for us. Yes, exactly. Do it for us. We will. We will. (laughs) Father Uh, Philip Michael Tangora joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Father, it's good to have you back. And a hopeful Mets fan. There's always hope for next season. And a Mets fan. There's always (laughs) next year. We're gonna be talking about a we're gonna be talking about a different virtue today. We're talking about charity today in honor of the feast of Saint Vincent de Paul, whom we celebrate on September twenty seventh. You know, Father, when I think of charity as a Catholic, I think about it as the greatest of the theological virtues. Um from mm-hmm. the secular perspective, I imagine a person would think about charities, like services for those in need. And I guess to start off the conversation, it's really no wonder that charities would be named after charity. Exactly. So they both come from the Latin origin word caritas, which means love. So if you're going to show love, uh, obviously it's the theological virtue because it describes the, na- the relationship that we have between God and neighbor. So the fulfillment of the great commandment. And the the second one after that is obviously to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And then uh, in that exploration of the second uh, element of the loving of one's neighbor, uh, obviously that's where we show uh, our regard, our care, another word coming from caritas, for those who are in need, especially the 
those who are in need. So that was in the early church, obviously, widows, orphans, uh, those who are the sick, those who are suffering in any kind of way. Obviously, the the way we try to use that word now is also disenfranchised. So those who have lack of legal protections, of societal stopgaps to help protect them uh, from uh, a life of discouragement and despair and uh, destitution. So one of the things that we see is the Eucharist is referred to by St. Thomas Aquinas as the sacrament of love, yeah. because it is the highest sacrament since it is Jesus Christ himself. Well, yeah, so and there it, is no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Absolutely. And so actually in uh, one of the social encyclicals of Pope John Paul II, Solicitudo Rei Socialis, in paragraph 48, he talks about the fact that there is no greater love and that this sacrament uh, urges us to show love, to uh, go out and to provide for the care and not the event, not just the evangelization, but also the uh, needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ and the one human family. So we are meant to commit ourselves ever more generously following that example of Christ, who in this sacrament lays down his life for his friends uh, and to make our personal commitment that like Christ and in union with it will not be in vain, but certainly fruitful. So we're meant to bear fruit from the Eucharist. The Eucharist mm. nourishes mind, heart, body, and soul. And so we're called to go out and with that nourishment, provide nourishment for those brothers and sisters who have yet to receive uh, that full uh, gift from Jesus Christ and who are in any way suffering uh, or challenged. So where do we receive the Eucharist most often in the context of, of the Mass, of, of the liturgy? So knowing that, Father, can you talk about the connection between our charity in terms of our service to one another, our love to those in need, and the liturgy? Yeah, well, this is this is a big part in um, uh, another document of John Paul, an apostolic letter called Dies Domine, uh, where he talks about the need for people to uh, really take into consideration the ending parts of the Mass. So the final blessing and dismissal, especially, are those moments where that, as I refer to it in my own book, Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life, that is the, the Pentecost moment of the Mass, because you're receiving this blessing to now go forth and having been nourished by the Eucharist and now receiving the Holy Spirit to go forth and proclaim the gospel with your life and to give witness to Jesus Christ, to, to, to bear witness and bear fruit of everything that you've experienced during the Mass, which is the entire life of Christ, by the way, and now go forth and bring that experience to others. I mean, one of the biggest problems with the church today is that lack of sense of encontro, of the encounter with Jesus Christ and having that experience. Well, if you've done that at Mass, 
then, which is what the liturgy of the Mass is supposed to be doing, then when you receive that final blessing and that dismissal, which is a commission, it's saying, go, go forth, proclaiming the gospel with your life. Go forth. The, the Mass is ended, but you are now being sent. You are being sent with the power of the Holy Spirit and the nourishment of the Eucharist to uh, bring uh, that love mm. to our brothers and sisters. Well, I think about various charities that that take on the name Catholic, and it seems more nominal, like, you know, you you put kind of a Catholic veneer over what is basically a humanitarian agency. And I, I think about St. Vincent de Paul, and there's this famous quote that I'm going to botch, but he basically is talking about, like, it's okay to stop praying to go serve someone else. He says, it's it's okay to leave God before you go to serve God or, or something along those lines. But that quote implies that you're with God beforehand. And so it seems to me that our service must flow from the liturgy. Absolutely. It's not uh, what John, um, what St. Vincent de Paul was talking about was the fact that uh, if you are, say, praying the divine office, not praying mass, you can't just get up during sure. mass. Well, of course. Yeah. All right. But if you're praying the divine office or you're praying the rosary and someone comes up to you and they're like, I'm sick, I'm hungry. Uh, you know, this kind of thing. Your prayer is now the act of service. Mm. It's not a sub, it's, it's a substitution for what you were doing. It's not a, it's not saying don't pray. It's saying your prayer is now this action of service. And that's one of the things that we have to always look at it. You know, in the different forms of prayer, there's uh, vocal prayer, what's called oratio, there's mental prayer, meditatio, and then there's contemplative prayer, contemplatio, right? But all of this prayer is meant to then lead us to axio, action. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not meant to die just with us. It's meant to be bring forth fruit. If we are, if Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, and we're receiving our nourishment from the vine as the branches, then the branches need to bear fruit through Christian action. Good stuff. We've been talking to Father Philip Michael Tangora. Go pick up a copy of his book, Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. God bless everybody. You too, Father. Thanks. All right, it's 17 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. 
It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Hey, this is Michael O'Neill, the Miracle Hunter. I'll be delving into the fascinating world of miracles and taking you on a hunt that explores the greatest mysteries and marvels of the Catholic Church. I'll be examining what constitutes a miracle, how miracles are investigated and approved, and the role they play in the lives of the faithful. We'll look at the miracles of the Gospels in early Christianity, considering the claims of the miraculous in our own modern age. The Miracle Hunter, Saturday at 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. A short-term funding bill is advancing in the Senate to potentially avoid a government shutdown. Pope Francis has sent his prayers and condolences to all affected by a tragic fire in southeastern Benin. And an imprisoned Nicaraguan bishop has been nominated for a European Parliament Human Rights Award. Wow. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show today. As you were talking, and we'll continue to talk through the hour, uh, is the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy Feast Day to all the wonderful groups at the parish level who are helping things out. This would be a great way to celebrate, right, is to go make a donation to the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Go shop at the thrift store. Go, shop go do at anything the thrift you can. store, yeah. All that stuff. Exactly. You know, we're going to talk a lot more. We, you were just talking with Father Tangora about Vincent's life of heroic charity and the impact it's had through the centuries. There's a lot of other stuff that we don't talk about in Vincent DePaul's life just because there's not usually time. And like the fact the that fact he was, like, kidnapped. He was kidnapped by pirates at one point <laughs> for a couple of years. Oh, so, uh, rather exciting story, the story of St. Vincent DePaul. Yeah. By the way, Anna Mitchell, I don't know if you know this, he is actually not the only... French saint who has a connection with pirates. St. John Vianney mm-hmm. has a connection as well. The Curie of ours. Jesus said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one. Theabrasiveone.com. Theabrasiveone.com. 
Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Carlo Broussard back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. You can listen to his Sunday Word podcast at Mr. Sunday Word, or sorry, Miss, Mr. Sunday Word. Really? Mr. Sunday Podcast.com, and you can invite him to speak. He'd love to speak at your parish. Catholic Answers Speakers. Dot com is where you can do that. Carlo, good morning. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you back. And we're going to be talking about the next section in your book on moral relativism, um, specifically the idea of intolerance. But before we get to that, there's a special section in your book devoted to a, a, a refutation of total relativism. Can you just quickly let us know what that's all about? Yeah, so total relativism is the most radical form of relativism, which states there's no absolute truth. In the first section of the book, I identified three modern moral imperatives that seem to fit that idea of total relativism, the white supremacy charge, the um, contemporary gender ideology, that not say, thou shalt not say he or she, and thou shalt not impose. Uh, total, And I have a section where I refute it in a philosophical way, but it sort of requires a sitting down with the book and reading through it slowly. Uh, but it requires some philosophical thinking to work through it. Uh, so we're going to skip over it today, but I would like to punt uh, to the listeners there when they get a hold of the book to read the chapter because it's got some great stuff there and yeah. how to refute total relativism and go a little deeper. So normally on the surface, Anna, we just say, well, the statement, there is no truth, well, you're making a truth claim, right? So you're basically saying it's true that there's no truth, or it's absolutely true that there's no absolute truth, which is a contradiction. But there's more to it than that, and we can go deeper, which I do in that section in the book. Cool, cool. So, yeah, encourage folks to go to shop.catholic.com and pick up a copy of The New Relativism. Now, we are going to move into your section of the book on moral relativism. What is that? Yeah, that's basically saying there's no absolute truth when it comes to morality, mm. which is a sort of a localized or partial form of relativism because it, within moral relativism, you can acknowledge that there's some objective truth, absolute truth, truth independent of what you think or I think when it comes to math and science, say. Sure. When it comes to morality, right or wrong, human behavior, good or bad human behavior, that's when truth is relative. And so there are certain moral imperatives within our woke culture 
that I saw as fitting within this category of moral relativism. Yes, and that brings us to the rather loaded and ever-present accusation of you are being intolerant. Um, Yes. Tell us about this. Yeah, so this, of course, most often comes up whenever we're talking about lifestyle choices associated with the LGBTQ plus community. There's tons tons of examples in the culture. I'm sure your listeners have experienced the charge themselves in their own lives. I used the example in 2019 when uh, backup goaltender Ashlyn Harris from the U.S. National Women's Soccer Team blasted her teammate Jalen Hinkle as a, a devout Christian as being intolerant and homophobic. What did she? What did Hinkle do to merit that charge? Well, it's what she didn't do. Back in 2017, she refused to wear the LGBTQ Pride team jersey mm. for a, a, a soccer game, and she chose to opt out. And so because she was expressing her disapproval of the lifestyle choice of same-sex sexual activity and so-called same-sex marriage, as a Christian, she was labeled intolerant. And so there you have an example in the culture, but the question becomes, uh, what, is, what do they mean by tolerance? And this mm-hmm. is where I begin to unpack that meaning. And what they basically mean, Anna, is that we must accept and celebrate everyone's life choices as equal and valid. And what I call this in the book is egalitarian tolerance. All lifestyle choices are equal and valid. And even the 1995 United Nations Declaration of Principles of Tolerance defined tolerance as involving the rejection of dogmatism and absolutism. So notice there the explicit form of moral relativism, that there can be no absolute truth. And in this case, when it comes to morality, check out the National Lambda Chi Alpha Fraternity's definition of tolerance. You ready for this one? Here it goes. I can't wait. The definition of the new tolerance is that everyone's individual's beliefs, lifestyle, and perception of truth claims are equal. There is no hierarchy of truth. Your beliefs and my beliefs are equal. So notice the egalitarian view of beliefs and lifestyle choices. They're all equal and valid. But here's the key for relativism, Anna. If they're all equal and valid, when it comes to lifestyle choices, then that means no lifestyle choice can be morally superior or inferior to another. And that's just the essence of moral relativism. So moral relativism is not dead, contrary to what many have said, given our moral shame culture. Moral relativism is just masked behind this moral imperative of thou shalt not be intolerant. Mm. Well, we're about to run out of time here, but can you uh, just quickly uh, tell us what Pope John Paul II had to say about this? Yeah, he identified um, this moral relativism talking about a legitimate plurality of positions that yielded to an undifferentiated pluralism based upon the assumption that all positions are equally valid which is one of today's most widespread symptoms of the lack of confidence in truth. And that's back in 1998 in his encyclical Fides et Ratio. So he was picking up on it already, and we see it in our everyday experience today. In 1998, he had his finger on the pulse already. Well, you can read more about it, and we will continue talking about it next time with Carlo Broussard. Go pick up a copy of The New Relativism from Catholic Answers Press and linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com. Carlo, thank you. Thank you, Anna. Have a great day. You too. Thank you.
half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. A short-term funding bill is advancing in the Senate to potentially avoid a government shutdown. The bipartisan bill will keep federal money flowing until mid-November to give Congress more time for a long-term package. The bill includes more than $4 billion in aid to Ukraine and roughly $6 billion in emergency FEMA funding for disaster relief. It's unclear if the Republican-led House will approve the deal. A deal to fund the government should be passed by the end of the week in order to avoid a shutdown. The Holy See has released the name of the Pope's next apostolic exhortation on the environment. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. Laudate Deum. This will be the name of Pope Francis's next apostolic exhortation on the environment Pope Francis has revealed. The Holy Father recently shared this on the 21st of September when addressing in the Vatican some 200 participants in the meeting of the rectors of public and private universities of Latin America and the Caribbean. The meeting took place on September 20th and the 21st at the Augustinianum on the theme organizing hope with the participation of some prefects and secretaries of dicasteries of the Holy See. During the occasion, the Pope reflected on various issues raised by the educators, including climate change, migration, and the culture of waste. The Holy Father urged them to be creative in the formation of young people. The rectors asked the Pope questions on environmental and climate issues, to which he responded by emphasizing the deplorable throwaway culture or culture of abandonment. He explained that it is a culture of misuse of natural resources, which does not accompany nature to full development. This culture of abandonment, he said, harms us all. The Holy Father called for alternatives to help overcome the environmental crisis and cited as an example the use of solar panels to provide electricity to the Vatican's Paul VI Hall and other areas of the Vatican. In his reflection, the Pope announced the name of his next apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum, which will be published on the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi on October 4th. He said this will be a look on what has happened and what needs to be done. The Holy Father also denounced the process of degradation that humanity is undergoing. There is a process of environmental degradation, and this trickles down, he suggested. The Pope also told them to remember migrants and also their great responsibility as educators. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. An imprisoned Nicaraguan bishop has been nominated for a European Parliament Human Rights Award. The Catholic News Agency reports Bishop Rolando Alvarez has been nominated alongside a Nicaraguan human rights activist, Bishop Alvarez of Matagalpa, an outspoken critic of the Daniel Ortega regime, has been in prison, falsely accused by the regime of being a, quote, traitor to the homeland. The Mexican government has begun negotiating with countries in Central and South America to try to stop people from trying to reach the U.S. border. They will start taking into custody those that are expelled at the international bridge connecting El Paso and Juarez. The the Mexican government is also vowing to work with the nation's biggest railroad to deter people from hopping on trains. The United Auto Workers strike continues. UAW President Sean Fain says the union will not let up on its demands. He spoke to MSNBC yesterday on the same day that President Biden stood alongside UAW members on the picket line in Michigan. Fain noted he was thankful for Biden's support, but that the real focus remains the workers. Former President Donald Trump will visit the state tomorrow to show support for the union members as well. UAW members have said they welcome the support, but stress that neither he nor Biden will be at the bargaining table.
The Writers Guild of America strike is over. Mark Mayfield has more. After 148 days, the board of the WGA West and the council of the WGA East voted unanimously to lift the strike, effective at 12.01 Pacific time Wednesday. The decision came just days after the writers and film studios successfully finished conversations for a new three-year contract. The agreement will increase minimums, raise contributions to health care and pensions, and give bonuses for residuals based on streaming views. AI-generated content, a big issue when the strike started, will not be considered source material. I'm Mark Mayfield. Republican presidential candidates are set to face off on the debate stage in California. Seven hopefuls will be participating in the GOP debate. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Put your money where your heart is. Do business with someone who shares your faith and values. From Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List of Underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to sacredheartradio.com and click Angels List. Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time. For all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work, find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing your care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Vincent de Paul, Wednesday, September the 27th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to want to keep the umbrella handy today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, showers likely today with a few storms possible and a high of 75 degrees. Spotty showers continue tonight with some isolated storms and an overnight low of 61. Scattered thunderstorms again tomorrow and a high of 76 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, occasional showers and a few thunderstorms today with a high of 75. Showers and storms likely tonight with an overnight low of 61. Showers in the morning, thunderstorms in the afternoon tomorrow with a high of 73. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thank you for joining us on this Feast of St. Vincent de Paul, who is one of the greatest models in the church of what it means to have faith and works, to be involved in a life of prayer and also a life of tangible charity to others, which makes for a great occasion to talk to uh, our next guest. Michelle Sagarino is president of Cross Catholic Outreach. You know them for many things that we talk to throughout the year, but this time of year, they become rather well-known, increasingly well-known for the Box of Joy Project. Michelle, welcome back. Well, thank you, Matt. It's great to be with you this morning. We're coming near Christmas, aren't we? 
I, you know, <laughs> with the box of joy. If I didn't hear it from you, I'd be hearing it from every store I walk into. <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, the reason that we're you know talking about this now here in September is not because we're trying to skip over seasons or anything, but because I mean, you've got some planning to do if you're going to be distributing thousands upon thousands of these things and get them there on time, right? We definitely do. This is our kickoff season for the Box of Joy, which is a Christmas box program that goes out to children around the world that often never receive a Christmas gift. So in the last, let's see, 10 years, over a half a million gifts have been distributed around the world. And so we're kicking it off and asking groups to to sign up in September and October to participate in this um, initiative. Well, this is a great way to involve kids who are the same age as the kids getting the gifts in these projects. And that's what you really kind of focus on, right? It definitely is, Matt. We are able to, uh, each family is able to provide gifts to children, boy or girl, from two to four, or five to nine, or 10 to 14, and engage their families and their parishes and their schools in a faith initiative, and uh, hands and feet, you know, of Jesus, working to fill these gifts up uh, with toys and school supplies and clothing and um, be able to send them to children who would never, ever be able to receive a gift. And we make that so, so easy, so easy for everyone to do. Um, as a matter of fact, we already have over a 1,000 groups signed up, and our goal is 1,500. So wow. you can go online to Box of Joy and register your group. It's very easy. You can become a project leader, and we will send you the kit of all the boxes. They're beautiful. The box to put the boxes in and all the material to explain to your group how to go shopping, fill their box, and where to drop their box off in November for pickup. Well, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people listening right now are either taking their kids to a Catholic school that is not yet involved in Box of Joy, or maybe they just teach like sixth grade religious ed at their parish and don't have a project lined up yet uh, for their angel giving, whatever it is that they want to do, their their outreach. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who could probably help you hit that number of 1,500 this year. And that sounds like a big number, but it's a number that's been growing because I feel like every year, and we've been talking to you almost since the beginning, it feels like, you have, with Box of you Joy, have. every year the numbers are just bigger, and, and I don't know, I get excited to hear what it's going to be the next year uh, based on the numbers that we started talking to you about. A very, very exciting. We started off with two dioceses when we began this program 10 years ago. And I'd say two years ago, we were about 115,000 children were blessed. Last year, 100 and, and uh, this year, our goal is 151,000. So we've been able to expand into different countries, Dominican Republic, Guatemala. Last year, we went into Malawi. And um, these are areas and partners that we already work with. I know you've you've had us on to share about other initiatives like helping with water, our housing, or um, microfinance. These partners are already long-term partners of ours, and now they're able to bless these children during the holidays to have a gift. And not only is it a material gift of 
you know, the toys and the excitement and the fun. But each box, when it comes to our National Screening Center in Miami, we put a rosary and a story of Jesus. And then when they're distributed to the children, the missionaries that provide the boxes to the children will share about the love of Christ and that this is coming from that love, from the United States with that love. Well, it's so cool to be able to talk to you about this on the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul. I uh, know. Because he modeled so much of this in his own work, and so many people have modeled uh, this idea throughout the ages. I think just up the road from me is the Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who looked to St. Vincent de Paul and was like, okay, what would I look if I did this in a school system, <laughs> right? Uh, and the cool thing about that model is that it understands the idea of these two big, I mean, big-ticket Catholic social teaching principles, solidarity and subsidiarity. Solidarity means that we have kind of a responsibility to our brothers and sisters in need. But subsidiarity means that we empower the people who are already there to take care of it. And that's kind of what you do, right? I mean, you're not just coming in, dropping off a truck full of stuff, and then flying back to Miami. I mean, you're empowering the people who are already there, right? Oh, I love that. I love that. Yes, most definitely. Over 10 years, we've been able to give $4 billion worth of aid in 90 countries. Our mission is to mobilize the global Catholic Church to transform the poor and their communities materially and socially and spiritually for the glory of Jesus Christ. And how we do that is through subsidiarity. It's coming alongside the partners that are already in country the diocese, the bishops, the priests, the nuns, to be able to empower them with what they need to do what God has called them to do. So it's the perfect model. It's it's really unifying the church, and all of us are a piece of it. Well, there are some people getting excited just hearing you talk this way and want to figure out how to go get a box of joy start, started right now. So uh, if you could throw that uh, information out so that anybody could either individually or start a group um, to get this going where they are. Most definitely. You can go to um, boxofjoy.org, and right below the header, it's going to tell you every step to do. You can register your group, how to shop, what to shop for, where to drop off your boxes. And if you do not have enough time, some of us are so, so busy, you can even do Box of Joy online. Um, Sign up for that, and we will pack the boxes for you. So there's many ways you can get involved. All the resources are there, and a list of uh, most asked questions, what should I put in my box? When is the deadline? Our deadline is October 27th for groups to sign up. So you can find out all at boxofjoy.org. There are people going to be spending more at dinner tonight than it would take for them to fill one of these, <laughs> you know, and send it out. It's such a cool project, and it's uh, such an opportunity to be hands-on. I mean, one of my favorite things uh, that I've done over the years when I've participated is just going through the store and thinking, you know, asking my own son, like, what would you want? Right. Like and and having him think in that way is just such a cool thing, because, uh, you know, this is going to somebody who's his age somewhere else. And that puts his own uh, charity into it. it. It doesn't just help somebody else. It forms him. So thank you so much, Michelle Sagarino, for everything you've been doing with Box of Joy. It's so exciting to see it grow. And we've got it linked boxofjoy.org. 
pardon me, at sunrisemorningshow.com. I encourage everybody involved with parishes and schools and even individual families, maybe even your homeschool co-op, whatever group you got, get involved. Have a great day, Michelle. Thank you, Matt. You, you as well. God bless you. All right. Up next, we got more. I got all kinds of fun names to pronounce today. I got to talk about talk to Michelle Sagarino. Next, I get Dr. Saverio Perugini talking about a new course on wisdom at Ave Maria. Stay with us. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Deacon Dennis Lambert from the Diocese of Phoenix. When we listen to Catholic Radio, we receive encouragement, strength, and most importantly, we receive the truth. Simply put, we need Catholic Radio because we are and we become that which we surround ourselves with. So I encourage you to tune in, inspire up, and to wrap yourselves in the warm arms of faith, life, and love. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Sunrise Morning Show continues on this feast of St. Vincent de Paul. Pray for us. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Severio Perugini, math and computer science professor at Ave Maria uh, University. I almost said Ave Maria Radio. Well, there's a free shout-out for our Michigan listeners. But uh, professor at Ave Maria University, and he's part of a new project called The Pursuit of Wisdom there. Doc, good morning. Good morning. So I want to know what this Pursuit of Wisdom project is all about. Give us an overview. Yeah, so thank you for having me. The Pursuit of Wisdom, um, you, uh, your listeners can go to thepursuitofwisdom.org. It's a, um, I guess you would call it a short course video series. So currently we have about 10 short courses in the series on topics like philosophy, literature, politics. We have one on biology. I did one on computer science. And um, each, each short course is, is um, 
presented in a series of uh, um, uh, digestible uh, bite-sized nuggets. So my my particular uh, short course has 14 segments, each one's between you know five and 15 minutes. So the entire short course is is uh, mine is about three hours. Uh, it's entirely free. All you have to do is go to thepursuitofwisdom.org, sign up, give your email address. You can watch all of them at your own pace uh, whenever you'd like. And we are going to be continuing to release additional short courses in this series. So there was a production company that came to campus uh, in May to film the initial uh, 10, and they're coming back this fall to film more. They're coming back in the spring to film more. So we're going to continue to to release these. So at the end, we hope to have about 35 uh, or so of these short courses for the Catholic world to to, to get good Catholic uh, perspective on these important topics. Well, I'm excited that you're the person I got to talk to about this because as I'm looking through, I'm seeing some friends of the Sunrise Show who are uh, you know, behind some of these courses, people like Joseph Pierce, of course, who's a regular weekly guest here and some others. Uh, but I'm excited to talk to you because I think as Catholics, we do a really good job uh, of having a Catholic perspective on literature and philosophy and history and even, you know, biology and some things like that. Uh, we're a little bit weak on the STEM stuff <laughs> as a whole in terms of finding great resources to talk about these things from a Catholic perspective and having computer science from a Catholic perspective so important because a lot of people are doing computers and doing computer science with absolutely no reference uh, to Catholic anthropology. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Yeah, so. it's 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 okay. yeah, it's it's definitely. Uh, I agree with everything you said there. Yeah, it's um, one of my um, one of my main goals here um, at Ave Maria University is to just sort of, you know, it's it, it's faith and reason. It, you know, you, you can't have one without the other. Um, so if you look at you know the world we're living in right now, particularly particularly in STEM, but but but. but Especially in computer science, we have these these large tech companies who are um, I mean they're 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 practicing the craft uh, entirely for utilitarian purposes, and and oftentimes there are ethical questions that are are um, are that we have to explore. So in order to and, and I think it's very important, and most of the people that work in those fields, not all, of course, this is you know we don't want to generalize, but they're often atheists. Right, I mean, they—they—they—it's—it's they, it's science and reason to the exclusion of faith. So it's very important, uh, particularly. I, I look at when I look at my students here at Ave Maria. I look at the future of America, and if I fail them, I, I fail. I fail. I fail our, you know, our, our church. I fail our, our country. And is we have to? It's very important to, to, for them to understand that you know. Catholics can do good science as well. I mean, we—if you, if you look at some of the greatest scientists in the history of the world, most of them were were Catholics. Yeah, and it's a, a a sort of perspective that the world is hungry for. Sometimes, without even knowing it, I have a few friends, uh, you know, here in the D.C. area who uh, are not Catholics and are, I'm, you know, are varying levels of agnostic or whatever, and they work in defense intelligence or you know various computer fields database whatever working with lots of ai and then you start to talk to them and they're like this is some scary stuff and you know i 
this is all moving very, very fast. And, you know, I don't know how good I feel about all these things that I'm doing it, but oh, well, back to work. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean? Exactly. And there's yeah. not there's I think people are hungry for this kind of reflection and just don't know where to start the conversations. So this looks like uh, it'd be a good place to do that. It'd be a great place to do it. I mean, this, and I think uh, as you characterize that as, as ideal, it's, it's just a place to start the conversation. Uh, uh, so the listeners can go to the pursuit of wisdom.org. Another thing that I would encourage listeners to do is um, they can go to um, uh, my, my uh, academic, uh, my scholarly website, which is my first name, Severio.card, C A R R D.co, not .com. Um, and maybe we can put this in the in the, in the show notes. And I have um, I have a couple podcasts that I've done about the ethical issues of AI, and they they range between thirty minutes and sixty minutes. I did one for Divine Mercy Radio, and I did one on uh, on uh, uh, the uh, the Drew Marini show on Relevant Radio. But you know, this is this is a, this is very important. I mean, back uh, many centuries ago, Blaise Pascal said there are two equally equally dangerous extremes: to shut reason out and to let nothing else in. So I think when we look at some of the STEM fields, it's it's sort of letting nothing else in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would encourage uh, listeners to. to at their own leisure to explore those courses. The, 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 uh, of this, there's six that are released right now. There was, I think there were 10 that were filmed. Of the six that are released, four of them are in the humanities. Um, of course, there's mine in computer science. And then there's one on uh, a colleague of mine, Dr. Sam Shepard, did one on stewarding the environment. He's a biology professor. So I would, I would also encourage um, listeners to um, uh, investigate that that short course as well because yeah, that's a that's a big uh it's a big topic that you know the pope has recently been been discussing and i think there, there's even going to be an yeah. encyclical released soon about that well and uh this every i mean john paul ii was talking about benedict the 16th was talking about it and everybody completely misunderstands misunderstands that question because all they hear is whatever the argument is in america between two parties right and they don't <laughs> yeah, hear yeah, what yeah. the church Correct. has to say into the situation you know you talk about that idea of uh of faith and reason in Pascal, uh, you know, I, I always think of the Chesterton quote where he says that the madman is not the person who has lost his reason. The madman is the man who's lost everything except his reason. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. why are, why are we you know having so many troubles with these technologies? Because we are approaching them only using reason and utility as our our worldview. But you're going to get me off on a tangent if we if we go down that road. That's uh. Sounds like some good conversations over happening at the Pursuit of Wisdom. It's pursuit of wis- thepursuitofwisdom.org. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. You can sign up for free, uh, which is awesome. Dr. Severio Perugini, thank you so much for your time. I hope lots of our listeners come pay you a visit. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. And again, head over to sunrisemorningshow.com, and you can find all that stuff. Uh, he mentioned that... Joseph Pierce is there. Dr. Sam Shepard's there. Uh, There are a few others that you probably will recognize if you head to thepursuitofwisdom.org and check out the free courses. That wraps it up on a Wednesday for our EWTN family. More coming up for our local listeners. But until tomorrow, for most of you, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.
Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith when Ann Hendershot will discuss the principle of performative Catholicism. Susan Sassoni will share her new book, New Friends Now and Forever. I will talk about the life of St. Vincent to Paul, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from R's Cafe and Meeting House, opening October 2nd, offering delicious varieties of coffee and fresh-baked goods, pastries, sandwiches, and soups. R's Cafe and Meeting House, 6988 North Dearborn Road in Guilford, Indiana. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. In the past decade, more people have chosen natural or green options when planning a funeral, and the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help. Natural or green burials are actually quite traditional. It's how people were laid to rest for most of human history. Find out more about natural or green options for burial or cremation at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, where they also offer zero financing for pre-planning. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or at cccsohio.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat, University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Feast of St. Vincent de Paul, Wednesday, September 27th, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, hear the cry of the poor. We pray for those who follow in St. Vincent's footsteps in caring for the poor. May God repay their good deeds. We pray for those who use their goods and gifts wisely in service of their neighbors. May God store up for them treasure in heaven. We pray for those who are destitute, hungry, and homeless. May God send compassionate and creative men and women to assist them. 
God of mercy, you sent your only begotten Son to preach the gospel to the poor. Continue to inspire your people with a love for all in need. Bless the work of those who serve those in want and grant relief to those who suffer from lack of food, shelter, or clothing. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us. And a happy feast day to those of you who are involved at any level with St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, Dayton, St. Vincent de Paul, wherever you happen to be listening. Uh, and uh, special shout out to those of you at the St. Vincent de Paul thrift stores where Anna Mitchell does most of her clothing shopping. There you go. And where I do most of my clothing donations. It is the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. I buy a bunch of stuff when I go there, too, but I mostly buy old vinyls because that is a treasure trove, a treasure trove of old vinyls. Uh, but up this hour, Laura Streetman will join us from Cincinnati Right to Life. Also, Father Frank Donio with more thoughts from the spirituality of St. Vincent Pilati. And then Deacon Stephen Gray Donis, who is now a high school theology teacher, uh, is going to join us. Uh, he's done some writing recently about multiverse stuff and uh, why the film world is so fascinated with it. And uh, what's a Catholic perspective on this whole concept of multiverse things? I don't know about you, but in my house, my 11-year-old asks me about multiverse things all the time. And I want to know what the Catholic answer to that is. So there you go. It's like a Jimmy Aiken question. Two minutes past, news of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. A short-term funding bill is advancing in the Senate to potentially avoid a government shutdown at the end of the month. The bipartisan bill would keep federal money flowing until mid-November to give Congress more time for a long-term package. The bill includes more than $4 billion in aid to Ukraine and roughly $6 billion in emergency FEMA funding for disaster relief. It's unclear if the Republican-led House will approve the deal. A deal to fund the government must be passed by the end of the week in order to avoid a shutdown. Pope Francis has sent his prayers and condolences to all affected by a tragic fire in southeastern Benin. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. Pope Francis says he is deeply saddened to learn of a tragic fire in southeastern Benin, which killed at least 35 people, including one child. In a telegram sent on his behalf by Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Parolin, the Pope says he joins the families of the victims in mourning. In the message addressed to Bishop Aristide Gonzalo of Porto Novo, whose diocese includes the city of Semecraque, where the tragedy happened on the 23rd of September, the Pope says he's praying for the rest of the deceased, entrusting them to God's mercy and for the recovery of the injured. The Holy Father also expressed his support for those accompanying the victims of this tragedy and prayed to Our Lady to bring strength and consolation to all those affected. And he invoked divine blessings on each person and on the entire nation as a sign of comfort. The fire broke out at a shop where witnesses said gasoline was being unloaded. The chief prosecutor said the fire burned down the store and according to an initial assessment, resulted in 35 deaths. He added that an investigation has been opened to determine the cause. I'm Linda Bordoni. The United Auto Workers strike continues, and UAW President Sean Fain says the union is not letting up on its demands. He spoke with MSNBC yesterday, the same day President Biden 
joined the picket line in Michigan. Fain noted he's thankful for Biden's support, but that the real focus remains on the workers. Former President Trump will visit Michigan tomorrow to show his support for union members as well. UAW members say they welcome the support from both men, but stress that neither of them will be at the bargaining table. Meanwhile, the Writers Guild of America strike is over. After 148 days, the board of the WGA West and Council of the WGA East voted unanimously to lift the strike effective today. The decision comes days after the writers and film studios successfully finished conversations for a new three-year contract. The agreement will increase minimums, raise contributions to health care and pensions, and give bonuses for residuals based on streaming views. Fewer Americans are feeling good about the economy for a second straight month. Mark Mayfield reports. The Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index fell five points in September from its upwardly revised August reading. The board's chief economist said many Americans are worried about rising prices, particularly for gas and groceries. The survey also noted a rise in recession fears and fewer consumers planning to buy homes in the next six months. I'm Mark Mayfield. More than a thousand children have gone missing in northern Ohio so far this year. In the Cleveland area, more than 45 children have disappeared this month alone. The surge has led State Attorney General Dave Yost to sound the alarm. He says the trend is worrying and while police are working to find the missing kids they also need the community to keep their eyes open the state is working with the university of toledo to develop an improved reporting system to track reports of missing kids yikes 806 now on the sunrise morning show and sports on sacred heart radio is brought to you by dr robert berger and beacon orthopedics and sports medicine online at beaconortho.com here's paul Ackman. all right last night uh, was fun the Reds outslugged the Guardians yesterday, eleven to seven. It was uh, scary at times, but the uh, Reds came out on top. Ellie De La Cruz blasted a pair of home runs, had four RBIs total. T.J. Friedel was homered in his fourth straight game. That's uh, pretty impressive. Luke Malley and uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand also hit home runs. It was almost contagious. Eighty-one and seventy-seven is the Reds' record, and they trail the Cubs by a game and a half for that last wild card spot with, I believe, four games to go. Phillies clinched their uh, playoff berth yesterday with a 3-2 win, walk-off style, over the Pirates at Citizens Bank Park. The uh, Diamondbacks and White Sox were uh, playing, and uh, the Diamondbacks inched closer to a playoff berth. They won 15-4. to Good news is the Braves came back and did their job. They were down 6 nothing to the Cubs. That was uh, not the final score. 7-6 to six Braves win. That uh, helped open the door for the Reds to be just a game and a half back. If uh, we were watching for a Mets-Marlins game yesterday, that was rained out. So the doubleheader mm. will be made up today. So uh, Go we can... Mets. Go Mets. And uh, the baseball world did lose a, a Hall of Fame third baseman yesterday. Brooks Robinson died at the age of 86. Robinson played his entire career with the Baltimore Orioles from 1955 to 1977. The 18-time All-Star won 16 consecutive gold gloves 
helped the Orioles win two. 16 consecutive And he deserved, yeah, he deserved each and every one of them from the highlights I've seen. Obviously, wow. I wasn't around. Wow. Was a part of two World Series wins for the Orioles. One, unfortunately, came against our uh, Cincinnati Reds uh, back in 1970. And he is regarded as the best third baseman, defensive third baseman in MLB history. I guess so. Converted Catholic, my father texts me this, really? uh, this morning. Yeah. So well, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Let's get to traffic now. Traffic yeah, service of about. Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio on the web at LarkinCobb.com. What you got? It is, of course, raining. So, yeah, that gives you an idea. Southbound 75 in the Dayton area shut down with a multi-vehicle accident with injuries. Traffic is being diverted onto Dixie Drive. This is at uh, Needmore. It's shut down. So uh, definitely going to need some extra time there. You're backed up past the 70 interchange. Also got an accident blocking the left lane of northbound 75 at Stanley that has you backed up toward the 35 interchange. In the Cincinnati area, just a lot of slow traffic right now. Northbound 7175, all the way from Mount Zion up to the river. You're going to be off and on heavy and slow. Northbound 471 is slow from 275 up to the river. Eastbound 74 slowing as you approach the 75 interchange. Southbound 71 on the brakes between Kings Island and the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 75 is slow as you head through the Lachlan split. Now for weather. Yep. Keep that umbrella handy for today and at least through tomorrow. Scattered showers today in Cincinnati. A few storms possible with a high of 61 degrees. Showers likely tonight with a few storms and an overnight low of... Did I get this wrong? I'm sorry. Showers likely with a high of 75 today. Spotty showers continue into tonight with an overnight low of 61. Showers again tomorrow with a high of 73. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, cloudy with occasional showers and a few storms today and a high of 75. Showers and storms likely tonight with an overnight low of 61. Showers in the morning, isolated thunderstorms in the afternoon tomorrow and high of 73 degrees. Today is Wednesday, September the 27th. It is the feast of St. Vincent de Paul. Pray for us. And I would just like to echo Matt's happy feast day to anyone involved with St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, Dayton, Northern Kentucky, Indianapolis, even if you are just a St. Vincent de Paul thrift shopper, like I and my sisters are. St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us. Laura Streetman back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show from Cincinnati Right to Life for our weekly look at news of interest to the pro-life community. Laura, good morning. Good morning. And uh, yeah, some news of interest to the pro-life community today at the Ohio Supreme Court. Tell us about it. Yep, that's exactly right. The Ohio Supreme Court, they actually begin to hear the oral arguments today at 9 a.m. in regards to the Human Rights and Heartbeat Protection Act, and otherwise known what we refer to as Ohio's heartbeat law. Uh, the hearings will take place in the Supreme Court in Columbus, and they'll be broadcast for everyone to watch. And in fact, before I signed on, Annie, I put the link on Cincinnati Right to Life Facebook page. So if people want to watch the proceedings at 9 a.m. today, please do so. You can click on there 
Um, and let's remember, Annie, that this law took over eight years to be heard, passed, and signed into law in Ohio. And then in April of 2019, Governor DeWine signed the bill into law. And of course, at the time, Roe versus Wade was the law of the land legalizing abortion in all 50 states through all nine months of pregnancy. So when we passed our heartbeat law here in Ohio, then the abortion industry filed suit against the law, and it was not permitted to take effect because of Roe being precedent. But then when Roe was abolished last June of 22, Ohio's Attorney General Dave Yost filed the needed legal movements, and Ohio's heartbeat law went into effect, ending the violence of abortions on Ohio babies in the womb with heartbeats. And we know that was last July, August, and then until September when the abortion industry filed suit here in Hamilton County, Common Pleas, and the activist judge Christian Jenkins ruled there was a right to abortion in Ohio's Constitution and paused the law with a preliminary injunction before final hearings and rulings would take place. So then again, you know, this is so back and forth, right? The Mm -hmm. state through the attorney general filed at the Supreme Court against this ruling, and that brings us to where we are today, where the hearings began. And, you know, Annie, how interesting all of this is, right? Because now not only are we facing what's going to happen with the heartbeat law, but we've got the election coming up on November 7th. Yeah, I was going to say, it's almost surprising that they're even hearing this ahead of November um, with such an important issue that would um, either, well, I mean, I guess they could make a ruling and, you know, if if issue one fails, then the heartbeat law goes on the books right away. Is that right? Right, exactly. That would go on the books right away. But think about the fact that God forbid, uh, you know, that it doesn't, we we aren't successful in our campaign to vote no, then, and keep abortion from being enshrined all nine months, then when they give the ruling, is it going to be null? You know, it's just a lot of procedural yeah. trying to understand. And quite honestly, I haven't talked to anyone yet that really, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's just a time like this, Annie, there's just so many unknowns to think. Yeah. Um, but right. What if they rule right, right away and then the heartbeat law goes back into place and abortion ends? Um, so, right. There's just all kinds of things you can look at. So we just our trust is in Jesus alone and we must pray and yes. work, pray and work. Yes. Um, and that's and- what the Lord on. Which is exactly what 40 Days for Life is all about. We'll get to that in a second as as 40 Days for Life gets underway. But there's another court case um, involving the abortion pill that you just want to update us on. Right. I just want to update everyone on it because there has been a lot of news. You know, the United States Supreme Court began their next session this month. And then this court will decide if they'll hear the appeal from August on the abortion pill case that was out of Texas. Um, And if they do hear the case where through a series of rulings in separate courts, you know, in Texas and in Louisiana, they decided to place some limits on access to chemical abortions nationally, federally. So then we'll, again, we'll, this would build up the high drama on what the U S Supreme court would do with abortion pill ruling and the legality of that. And we would probably know by next June of 24, the fate of the abortion pill. And that's important because in Ohio and in America, about 50% of abortions are performed now through the chemical abortion. 
And, um, you know, in 2021, the last year that we have Ohio statistics on abortion, just under 10,000 preborn babies were killed by chemical abortion in Ohio in 2021. We're waiting in the next week or so. We should have the 2022 numbers, but that's what it was in 2021. Well, and I think about that, how many thousands of women were experiencing abortion alone? Um, Just to look at it from the woman's perspective, like what those moments must have been like um, without a doctor there with them. Um, I mean, we think about this as as killing the children, rightfully so. But there's also a woman who is doing this on her own, um, which is another huge, huge part of this whole issue. Exactly. And the trauma that it induces for the woman and, you know, the, the location where that chemical abortion took place, whether it be her bedroom, her bathroom, her dorm room, um, you know, we know locations are traumatizing where we've had sad things happen and horrific things happen. So, yep. yeah, I mean, there's just so much that's, that's so upsetting about all of this where it just seems so obvious, right, Annie? Seems but like it, but it um, like if, it, we don't, right? if we don't bring the reality of it out, I mean, we don't have to be graphic about it, but just get people realizing what the reality is about this then perhaps maybe some minds might be changed about the idea that abortion could somehow be good for the woman. But we continue to pray for a change of hearts and minds, of course, and for the closure of Planned Parenthood here in Cincinnati. 40 Days for Life getting underway in earnest today. That's absolutely right. So it's the kickoff today here in Cincinnati and around the world and an opening prayer vigil took place last night in front of Planned Parenthood. And believe it or not, one of our major news stations was there and even covered it live really? in the afternoon. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, that's awesome. And, you know, obviously because there's so much happening in Ohio, so mm-hmm. they decided to cover it. And, and I actually watched the news story, which is also linked on Cincinnati right to life Facebook page. And, it was somewhat pretty fair, which that's good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a former Planned Parenthood director was there, Ramona Trevino, and she shared some of her experiences and why 40 Days for Life in this campaign is so important, and especially in light of the Dobbs ruling that overturned Roe and what all these states are facing. So, you know, this is the year to get involved. I know I say it, but if you never have before, um, 40 Days for Life will run through November 5th, and it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and you can sign up online, um, you can show up, but it really helps Mary Clark, our wonderful organizer, to know that there's coverage, you know, because they do make sure someone is there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Yeah. And we just thank Mary for her years of dedication oh to gosh. organize this. What, yep. what a what a warrior we have for life in Mary Clark. Thank, yes, I extend that gratitude as well and laura i like blinked and october is basically <laughs> upon us i mean matt was telling me he was like do you have the rundowns made for october yet and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> next week is october which means that we are going to be in respect life month and so a number of important pro-life events taking place particularly in light of what we have coming up in Ohio in November. And so we've got the Ohio March for Life and, of course, the Evening for Life coming up next month. 
That's right. That's right. So a week from Friday, October 6th, is Ohio's March for Life in Columbus. Things will begin, you know, at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 11 a.m. There's music and talks, and then the march is at noon at Ohio's Capitol at the State House. So everyone take the day off of work, pull your kids out of school. I do believe it's an excused absence. Nice. I know it was last year. We'd have to confirm that for this year and join us. And then, yep, we'll see you. It'll, you know, just three weeks and two days away on October 19th for Cincinnati Right to Life 50th Anniversary Evening for Life. So excited to be there. And you can get all this information at Cincinnati Right to Life's website, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, it's 21 past. we got traffic and weather coming up next. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at bridgetownfinermeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at bridgetownfinermeats.com. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Two minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Looks like in the Dayton area, southbound 75, still shut down between Needmore and Stanley because of a multi-vehicle accident. They are diverting traffic onto Dixie. But if you're stacked up beyond the 70 interchange, might be a good idea to get off on 70 and try to find a new route to where you're headed. Um, You are backed up past the I-70 interchange right now. Northbound 75 still slow because of an accident blocking the left lane at Stanley backed up toward the 35 interchange. Now in the Cincinnati area, looks like there's an accident now on northbound 7175 at the 275 interchange you were already running slow back to mount zion so that remains the case and you are still slowing until you get up to the river and in fact once you get to uh, about fort washington way you will find that, that northbound 75 has the left lane blocked with an accident eastbound 74 is slowing from north bend into the 75 interchange northbound 471 slow from 275 up to the river Southbound 71, slow from Kings Island down to the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 75 looks to be the best place to be right now. (laughs) You're just slowing through the Lachlan split. Now for weather. 
Uh, scattered showers likely today with a few storms possible in Cincinnati with a high of 75 degrees. Spotty showers continue tonight with an overnight low of 61. Showers tomorrow as well with a high of 73. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, cloudy with showers and thunderstorms today, a high of 75. Showers and storms likely tonight with an overnight low of 61. Showers tomorrow with a high of 73. Now please join with me, the daily prayer for the 54-day novena for life ahead of the November election here in Ohio. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Father Frank Donio joins us next. It's 25 past. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Art Radios from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Anna. So we've spent a few weeks together talking about the life and spirituality of St. Vincent Pallotti. Today we're going to talk about the legacy. Um, actually, is today his onomastico? Was he named for St. Vincent de Paul? Do you know? No, as far as I know, he oh, he wasn't. Okay. He was probably he was probably named for, and I don't know for sure. My guess would be the the uh, Roman martyr and deacon, uh, Vincent. Oh, but I'd have to. Okay, that makes sense. Have to look into that. Oh, okay, he was born a few like I don't know twenty thirty years after Saint Vincent de Paul was canonized. So that's what made me curious. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I was just curious. <laughs> So his spirituality lived today. Tell us about the Palatine family um, that that looks to St. Vincent Pallotti as as their father. 
Well, when Pilati died, he only had uh, eight priests and and three brothers, uh, actually four brothers. And so this, this little group that was there uh, was the only thing he had other than uh, a, a small group of, of sisters in the orphanage that, that had been created by the, the group of lay people, religious and clergy that he had founded, which later came to be called the Union of Catholic Apostolate. And by 1854, he dies in 1850, 1854, the community loses its name of Society of the Catholic Apostolate because the name was always considered pretentious, that only uh, only the the papacy and the hierarchy did the, could do apostolate. It was a whole scene. And we were named Pious Society of the Missions. Now, part of Pilates' charism was international missionary work or, or promotion of the missions and assistance for the missions. He never went to the missions, but he wanted to start a mission college and so forth. And later that did happen. And now the Palatines are 2,400, the priests and brothers, 2,400 in 56 countries wow. because of this international missionary effort. We didn't get our name back until 1947. And then we started to look again at the fullness of our charism, the aspect of, of lay people and religious and clergy collaborating with one another in the mission of Christ, this understanding that Pilate had of everyone being an apostle, which ended up in the documents of the Second Vatican Council and the decree of the apostle of the laity, and which St. John Paul II was part of writing, and so was the general of the Palatines at the time, Father Wilhelm Moller. And we we continued in this in this way, uh, and we have communities of sisters, two pontifical communities of sisters that are in different parts of the world, as well as uh, a number of other communities of sisters, communities of lay people, and individual lay people who belong to this association called the Union of Catholic Apostles. So thousands and thousands of people uh, throughout the world, and he was interested in as I've mentioned, universal apostolate. So we could do all sorts of things in terms of our work, as long as we were assisting people in coming to faith, either the, for the first time or reviving their faith mm. and rekindling charity. Can you talk and about so the various ways that that this um, this plays out in in the modern times? Like what kind of work do the Palatines do um, in the Catholic apostolate? Well, there's Catholic Apostolate Center, yeah, uh, the, and that's part. Of, that's part one of our more contemporary ways of doing that. Other ways in which we've we've done that are, are forming lay people, particularly uh, to be able to go forth and witness Christ in their daily lives. Uh, this is done also through educational institutions, even also healthcare, uh, in uh, in a, many many parishes often mission stations, remote mission stations. Uh, so it's also, it's the first, it's first evangelization, first proclamation, or the mission agentes, as they say, um, or in the church, or uh, this reviving faith or something that we would talk about in terms of new evangelization. And it is this opportunity, and Pilate understood this back in the 1830s in Rome, when this was not really something that was was popular. And so 
we ha- we continue to do that today in all sorts of of ways, but it it w- the key part because Pilates wanted a universal universality of activity and a universality of means. So whatever way we could do that, whether it's through publishing, whether it's through teaching, whether it's through being with a person at their sickbed, it's being with the poorest of the poor, whatever way we can do that, that brings Christ and we are being living as apostles and we're helping others to live as apostles. I mean, this is living out our baptism, is it not? Absolutely. And and apostolate really is that. It's living out. It's living out the bap- our baptismal call, and maybe that's a a possible thing for us to talk more about in in future of what apostolate is. Because unfortunately, even though that's a, a word that is used uh, greatly within the documents of the Second Vatican Council, it's a word we've kind of lost. Yeah. And and very and few people tend to use it, and yet it it, it doesn't. You don't need somebody's permission once you're baptized. You are part of the mission of doing the mission of Christ and going forth. Yeah, in union with the church. Um, of course. So when it comes to Palatine spirituality, um, I mean, I know that you don't have like an age cutoff per se, but it does seem like you particularly, Father Donio, and I'm wondering if this extends to to the Palatines in general, seem to have a, a real charism with youth. Yes, well, that was something that was was a was certainly part of of Pilates' way of uh, of functioning as well. He was very interested in in the education of youth, including including seminarians. He he worked with seminarians as well. So that kind of of work has been part of what we what we do. Uh, it's not certainly not the totality of what we do, mm-hmm. uh, and it, but it is a, a focus uh, in. In some of our work, in some instances, we're involved with educational institutions. But I would say in all of our different, in our parochial work and whatever we do, we do take a particular focus on youth because when you form people and you help them to be close to the church so that then they can go forth and proclaim Christ. And, And that needs, that really is important to do at a, with younger people, most, most especially. Well, they got the energy. (laughs) <laughs> yes, they do, they do. But and, but also, it, it hopefully you're you're they're moving in a particular direction for the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Keep up that energy. Keep up the intensity. Is one of a great movie they say. In a good, never mind. I'm just going to leave it there. Father, this was great. And yes, I would love to talk more about what apostolate means. Um, perhaps maybe the next time we get together, the the difference between apostolate and ministry. Um, sure. And, That's and, something I teach, yes. Oh, well, perfect. We found the perfect man for the job. Father Frank Donio, we've got the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you so much. Thank you and God bless. You too, Father. Thanks. All right. It's uh, 35 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. A short-term funding bill is advancing in the Senate in Washington in an effort to avoid a government shutdown. The bipartisan bill would keep federal money flowing until mid-November to give Congress more time to come up with a long-term package. The bill includes more than $4 billion in aid to Ukraine and roughly $6 billion in emergency FEMA funding, funding for disaster relief. It's unclear if the Republican-led House will 
approve the deal. A deal to fund the government should be passed by the end of the week in order to avoid a shutdown. The Holy See has released the name of the Pope's next apostolic exhortation on the environment. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Laudate Deum. This will be the name of Pope Francis's next apostolic exhortation on the environment Pope Francis has revealed. The Holy Father recently shared this on the 21st of September when addressing in the Vatican some 200 participants in the meeting of the rectors of public and private universities of Latin America and the Caribbean. The meeting took place on September 20th and the 21st at the Augustinianum on the theme organizing hope with the participation of some prefects and secretaries of dicasteries of the Holy See. During the occasion, the Pope reflected on various issues raised by the educators, including climate change, migration, and the culture of waste. The Holy Father urged them to be creative in the formation of young people. The rectors asked the Pope questions on environmental and climate issues, to which he responded by emphasizing the deplorable throwaway culture or culture of abandonment. He explained that it is a culture of misuse of natural resources, which does not accompany nature to full development. This culture of abandonment, he said, harms us all. The Holy Father called for alternatives to help overcome the environmental crisis and cited as an example the use of solar panels to provide electricity to the Vatican's Paul VI Hall and other areas of the Vatican. In his reflection, the Pope announced the name of his next apostolic exhortation, Laudate Deum, which will be published on the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi on October 4th. He said this will be a look on what has happened and what needs to be done. The Holy Father also denounced the process of degradation that humanity is undergoing. There is a process of environmental degradation, and this trickles down, he suggested. The Pope also told them to remember migrants and also their great responsibility as educators. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. An imprisoned Nicaraguan bishop has been nominated for a European Parliament Human Rights Award. The Catholic News Agency reports Bishop Rolando Alvarez has been nominated alongside another Nicaraguan human rights activist. Bishop Alvarez, an outspoken critic of the Daniel Ortega regime, has been in prison falsely accused of being a, quote, traitor to the homeland. The United Auto Workers strike continues. UAW President Sean Fain says the union is not letting up on its demands. He spoke to MSNBC yesterday, the same day President Biden took to the picket line in Michigan. Former President Donald Trump is expected to visit the state of Michigan tomorrow to show his support for union members as well. Meanwhile, the Writers Guild of America strike is now officially over. 8.39 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Ackman. Reds got a little bit of help uh, yesterday as uh, they helped themselves, most importantly. Cincinnati picked up an 11-7 win over rival Cleveland. Ellie De La Cruz blasted a pair of home runs, had four RBIs. T.J. Friedel, he's homered in four straight games. Look out, Reds trying to get hot. They are they improved to 81-77 and and trail the accursed Chicago Cubs by just a game and a half for that last wild card spot. Phillies clinched. A playoff berth yesterday with a 3-2 win over the Pirates. And the uh, Braves did us a favor by coming back to uh, beat the Cubs, stun the Cubs, really, 7-6 at Trust Field. Diamondbacks inch closer to a playoff spot with a 15-4 route 
of the Chicago White Sox. If uh, we're rooting for the New York Mets, uh, they were postponed yesterday due to rain, so the Mets and Marlins will play a, a doubleheader starting today. That's a look at sports. we got more on the Sunrise Morning Show coming right after this. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Companions on a Journey invite all struggling to cope with grief and loss to a day of healing. Saturday, September 30th at St. Maximilian Colbe Parish in Liberty Township. For more information, visit sacredheartradio.com slash events. One of the flaws in our human nature is passing judgment on our fellow man. It is a weakness that leads to all sorts of conflict, much of which can be completely unintended. Many factors lead to us passing judgment, including ignorance, greed, jealousy, etc. What measures can you take to curtail passing judgment? Over the next few days, take a look at how we can show our families ways to accept those the Lord has placed in our lives. Take a walk in the other guy's shoes. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Deacon Joe Grody. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it's always great to catch up with Deacon Stephen Gray Donis, who has kind of a new a new gig these days, and I want to ask him about that before I ask him about what I usually ask him about, which is movies and stuff. Deacon Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So good to be with you again. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Uh, I know that uh, in your new scenario as a theology teacher, it's going to sort of change your ability to watch movies. Uh, but talk about that gig. Like, uh, what's uh, What kind of a chapter change has this been for you? So I have had a, a day job in IT for almost as long as I've been doing DecentFilms.com. I created Decent Films in, 20, in 2000, and in, 20, in 2001, um, I started with a, a company with a large uh, IT department, and I've done that for a long time. Uh, IT is in a very volatile place right now, and my department uh, has been, for years now, it's been shedding dozens of jobs, maybe hundreds of jobs. And uh, at the beginning of the year, that job went away. Um, and I was very grateful to God for having had that job for as long as I did and had the ability to support my family with it. But this, to me, was a very clear sign that God was calling me to uh, to look for something else to do, and probably in the areas in which I've been devoting so much of my time outside of work, to to religion as a deacon, to teaching, to writing, and so forth. 
And uh, I have absolutely no doubt that God has brought me to the place where he wants me. I'm, I am teaching theology at a Catholic high school, and it is just, it's so much better than I had expected or imagined. I, I believed when my job went away that God had something planned for me, but um, I, I, I was not sure that when I found it, I would regard the day that I lost my job as the second best day of this year. Oh, that's pretty great to hear from uh, from your situation, how God kind of like shapes these things and brings out. Uh, I, I've found that in my world, I've done a lot of different, as, as I tell Anna Mitch all the time, I've lived many lives. But usually whatever I end up doing is completely consistent somehow with all the stuff that I was doing before. Uh, so it's a cool thing to hear. Now, I do have a curiosity question. Um just practically speaking, I know that though you are known to our listeners as a man who reviews films, you make a point of not referencing films in your homilies as a deacon. Does that same rule apply for the classroom, or are we dealing with something different here? <laughs> it absolutely does not apply to the classroom. That's what I the figured. Classroom, That's what I I'm going to use anything and everything. The problem is none of these kids, and this is true in the college course that I'm teaching too at Seton Hall University, none of these kids have seen any movies before 2008. Like, you know, there was a time not that long ago where every every student knew The Matrix, and I could use it to talk about um, Descartes and Plato's Cave and all of that, and I can't do any of that anymore. They, they, they've never seen it. Um, I would love to talk, I would when, when I'm talking about Moses and the tabernacle and all that, I would love to be able to reference Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, okay, we know what the Ark of the Covenant is. No, they've never seen it. Strangely, they have seen Back to the Future. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know either. Uh, probably <laughs> because they've seen Rick and Morty. Is my guess. That's my guess. But, huh. uh, you know, it is interesting. Uh, you know, I was talking to someone who uh, has been teaching theology and um, – you know, holding like philosophy clubs after school and stuff. And they talked about how when they first got started, they, uh, their kids were really into Harry Potter books. And then like later on, their kids had never read the books, but were really into Harry Potter movies. And now people have like no reference point of Harry Potter at all. So there you go. That's the uh, trajectory you're on working with high schoolers. Good luck. Thank you. All right. Speaking of which, I bet a bunch of them have at least seen or are familiar with multiverse stuff, because it's all the MCU can seem to talk about these days, are you willing to discuss some MCU multiverse stuff, some theology, philosophy, and the like here in a moment? Well, not just MCU, but the Spider-Verse as well. Yeah, I'm going to be um, – that's, that's what my whole weekend is devoted to, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it after the break. It's 13 till. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. 
HotsPursuit.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. We've been talking with Deacon Stephen Gray Donis, who's written a lot on the moral implications of multiverse theory uh, in various ways through Doctor Strange and the Spider-Verse and some other places. And you're giving a talk, Deacon Stephen, at Gonzaga in uh, Washington. Uh, Tell us what the context of this event is, and then let's dig into your topic. So Gonzaga University hosts a faith film philosophy seminar every year at the end of September, and this year's seminar is devoted to the subject of multiverses in movies. And and this topic was occasioned by a couple of things, one of them being the huge popular and Oscar success and critical success of the Daniels movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And the other is, of course, what's going on in the world of superheroes, including the MCU, but also the Spider-Verse, and apparently an article that I wrote for Catholic World Report last year about uh, nihilism and humanism in the MCU is one of the things that tipped them into doing into doing this uh, this topic. So when I thought about what I was going to write about, I decided that for me the most natural thing was to write about the role of the multiverse in superhero movies specifically. And so the very nerdy name for my for my talk is Crisis of Meaning in Infinite Earths, which is a reference to a famous comic storyline back in the 80s called Crisis in Infinite Earths. But in this case, it's a crisis of meaning. I think that was DC, wasn't it? Not yes, Marvel. that's right. Yeah, so... Yeah. So you've got all these things going on, um, and there are a lot of people who are like really following and excited about the Captain America, Tony Stark, Avengers, Thor storyline, and we finally beat Thanos, and then Marvel's like, well, let's keep this going, and now everybody's just colossally confused <laughs> with everything that Marvel has done ever since. But I, wanna st- I was trying to think about a good question to set this up and get you going. Uh, so in the first Avengers movie, um, Captain America you know, is getting ready to jump out the plane and Black Widow stops him and says, you know, don't go down there. Those are basically gods. And he says, there's only one God, ma'am. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. And it's one of the greatest, you know, kind of most rousing lines in those early movies. And it seems like everything ever since has been working to undermine how naive Captain America was for having said that (laughs) with the multiverse stuff. So what... What is sort of the moral premise, at least in the MCU, uh, and even in the Spider-Verse, what are some of the things that are being raised by throwing in this whole multiverse scenario? So one of the big questions is, is there a way that things are supposed to happen? Is there a plan to the universe? 
Um, this is something that even unbelievers tend at certain key moments in their life to assume. Uh, I point out in my talk that in the first Iron Man movie, after surviving, almost being killed by one of his own weapons, and then surviving being uh, his captivity by terrorists, Tony says, I shouldn't be alive unless it was for a reason. And he doesn't say what that reason might be in the movie, doesn't care. And that's okay because it's a human thing to look at moments in our life like that and say, there's a meaning in this. The universe is trying to tell me something. That's a line that we also hear in Thor, um, Love and Thunder, when Jane Foster is dying of cancer. And her, her best friend says to her, you're not hearing what the universe is trying to tell you. So... As these movies unfold, though, this sense that there might be a meaning to reality runs into, on the MCU side, what is really the MCU's kind of their fundamental idea, maybe their only idea that runs through more than one movie, which is don't trust the man. Like, don't trust authority. Be skeptical of, of uh, patriarchal establishment figures. And, and they follow that all the way up, if not all the way to God, at least as close as you can probably get in a comic book movie. So it starts out with um, Odin Allfather, for instance, who seems to be a benevolent, wise, patriarchal figure. He's kind of, um, is, is he a god? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. He's an arbiter of worthiness. But later we find out that he sits on a throne of lies, on a throne of blood, that the history of Asgard is this cover-up history of conquest and bloodshed and, and maybe uh, genocide and the erasure of Thor's older sister, who is Odin's um, uh, bloodthirsty general, played by Kate Blanchett. Uh, this is, this, and so this, this instinct for revealing that the powers that be, um, that they have, secrets and hidden uh, agendas and, and that they're not honest about their motives. Um, as the stories get bigger and more cosmic and the authorities become closer and closer to God, you start to run into the question of, you know, is, is this ultimately going to, is the universe completely nihilistic or is it only nihilistic up to a point? Yeah, that's a great question. And this, <clears throat> this is where, you know, people are like, you're talking about superheroes and stuff. And well, yes, but they're also an interesting vehicle for talking about the Catholic um, perspective on free will and God's providence and plan, you know, compared to something like a, a more scientific materialist determinist view or a, even a Calvinist view. I know you come from a Calvinist background. Is what we are doing done because we are created out of love and invited into this big plan? Or is it at the end of the day, it kind of doesn't matter to to us. It's all been predetermined to elevate the sovereignty of whoever's at the top of the at the top of the pile, right? I mean, this is a, this is kind of the question behind a lot of this. Absolutely, and that question is raised nowhere as pressingly as in um, Chloe Zhao's Eternals, where we find out that the creator maybe the of, most depressing of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, by the way, a utterly yeah, depressing I, movie. Absolutely. There's basically a God figure who turns out to have just built us as cogs in a machine and has no love for us. He might not be God, but when you have a universe like that, you have to ask the question, if there is a God above that, what access do we have to his will? It seems like we're in an epistemologically perverse situation. We're not created in God's image, and so what can we know of moral truth? Well, I can't help but think of the end of... Uh, Chesterton's short story, The Blue Cross, where um, Flambeau the thief is posing as a priest and he's saying, well, you know, who knows? Look at the stars. Could be infinite worlds with infinite truths and infinite, you know, moral codes and the like. And uh, 
know, Father Brown checks him on that and says, no, uh, there may be infinite physical things out there, but there's only one truth, <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, I think that's kind of one of the questions that, that I at least hope gets raised in this discussion of multiverse is like, is there a different standard in every single one of these things? Because ultimately, if the person at the top only cares about glory and self-preservation, then why would truth matter in any of these? Right. So there are two basic things that we have to say in response to that. And one of them is we have to let the story unfold and see where it goes. The story of the judgment of mankind in Eternals is not over yet. It may be that there is a higher authority that says that we have value as human beings, as life on Earth. And then I'm also really interested to see where the Spider-Verse is going, because it seems to me that there's a lot more hope for a truly humanistic and life-affirming answer in those films. Well, the people who make the Spider-Verse things are not into just doing predictable stuff. So I hope that you're right about that. So thank you, Deacon Stephen. I'll put a link to the Gonzaga University uh, Philosophy and Faith Seminar because it looks really fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. Excited to talk to you again. Excited about the new stage in your life. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. I would love to be back sometime. By the way, my talk is on Friday if anybody happens to be in driving distance of Spokane. Sounds pretty cool to me. Well, that wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show. Wish we had more time, but it's already over. Until tomorrow, I'm Matt Swaim. For all of us here, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in beautiful Miamisburg. Unique rosaries including custom-made, one-of-a-kind rosaries and Catholic books and gifts for all occasions. Online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. That's stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. I'm Precious Blood Father Kevin Scalf from Archbishop McNicholas High School. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at Sacred